Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Decked drawer systems. I've always loved Decked, as is, but it's even better now because they just redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. They got the Deco case line. These cases are as tough, if not tougher, than Pelican case or Go boxes. Totally waterproof and dustproof. You can literally run over them in your truck and they will be fine. High quality latches and handles make them really easy to use. They look great. They are made in the USA. To check it out, go to decked.com slash meat eater. Get yourself free shipping. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. I've used that Sport Dog collar in different temperatures. It just doesn't stop working. Get 20% off your first purchase using code Meat Eater. So go to www.sportdog.com slash meat eater to learn more. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. All right, we're here joined in part by um, Kurt. Was it harder than woodpecker lips or tougher than woodpecker lips, Roscoe? Harder. I think harder. harder than yeah. Kurt, harder than woodpecker lips, Roscoe. Out of Bozeman, Montana. Did you know that that was your, that's a guy wrote in? I remember you mentioning that last time. <laughs> harder than woodpecker lips. I don't think we had the saying right at that point, though. <laughs> you got to trademark that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know now that you have, uh, I've witnessed it now. You're very, you're monastic. Um, your sort of monastic food regimen. Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's put it's, it all together. I, I don't view it as simple. I will see now. I'd call it hardcore. Oh, it's totally hardcore. It's harder than a woodpecker's lips. It is harder than a woodpecker's <laughs> lips. Everything, everything about Kurt's shit is so dialed. Yeah, yeah. I've I was just taking notes all week. I felt like my I was just a hot mess compared to really. Yeah, just everything is his pack, his food. He's a fussy his, little fella. His like his clothing system, everything. Just a fussy He's little so, guy. Just so fucking dialed. Yeah. Anytime I was drinking hot liquids, I was like, God, I'm weak. <laughs> yeah Kurt's from Kurt's a designer at Stone Glacier and like a founder at Stone Glacier yep yep started in 2012 
Bought a sewing machine. Bought a sewing machine. Yeah, a few years before that. And... Like a little old lady <laughs> sewing away. Yeah. Uh, he had, Kurt had explained this before, is that you would modify your backpack so much that you'd eventually wind up with sort of a different backpack. <laughs> well, that's really how it all started. Um, and uh, it took a while. It took probably a couple of years. But, yeah, you keep tweaking on little things started with the bags and started with the frame and at the end of it you end up with something completely new so that th- that was really where the whole company started i want to detail his monastic food regimen is uh <laughs> and it made sense this trip because kurt foregoes see here's where it gets a little bit like this is where i kind of got thrown off i was telling the boys last night if i could this is gonna sound. This is gonna make you uncomfortable, Kurt. Oh, <laughs> you might want to leave. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. It's a compliment, yeah. but it might make you feel uncomfortable. I was saying, if I could vacate my brain for a while and go live in a different brain, I'd prop like I'd probably go live in yours for a little while. <laughs> like, and there's not. There's very, very few people I would say this about. Like, if I could go occupy, like I want to live in my same house family like same all stuff but just have like be in your brain for a little while and be that um that here's what i'm trying to say here's what i understand you don't like to when you're out you drink coffee at home yeah but you won't drink coffee out hunting because it's too inconvenient uh, and so you wake up and just eat energy bars, and instead of coffee, you take a coffee, a caffeine goo. Yep. And then you're out the door. Yep. Of the tent. Yeah. But even in a situation where we had warm breakfast and had coffee, and you didn't have to make it, and it was there anyway, and it was just there, you still wouldn't eat it. Like, what? what are you trying to prove a point? No, I, no, I'm just, uh, in a lot of the things I do in life and hunting being one of them, I just kind of get dialed in on my system. And, <laughs> and so when I wake up in the morning, part of this, I'm really hungry. So first thing I'll do is roll out of my bag and grab a bar to eat. And then when I'm getting all my stuff packed and getting dressed, I'm so you're eating, eating my bar. one in your bag. Uh, when I'm starting to climb out. Yeah. So by the time I have my boots on, my gaiters on, I'm gone. So there's no cooking. It's, uh, it, it's just kind of trying to be efficient and not having to get up earlier just so that you can make coffee. That doesn't, I'd rather lay in my bed or in my bag and yeah. get more sleep and be warm. But what was going on when you, um, you uh, wouldn't even co- you uh, snubbed our campfire. <laughs> I didn't know I snubbed your campfire. Oh, yeah. No, did you notice that? I don't know if you guys oh. noticed. Rick or uh, Kurt wouldn't go by the campfire. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. We were all hanging. No, there was a oh, there was a couple. He stood off in the distance. The fire. Like, he didn't want to be corrupted. Yeah, it. the fire is too hedonistic. He <laughs> didn't want to be. He's like, I don't want to become soft by going by no campfire. No, that uh, second night you were the last one by the campfire. Oh, he yeah, was. I was appreciating yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he just yeah. didn't want holes in his gear. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, could be like, oh, I was like, I want to have a ton of little spark holes too much. Yeah. Uh, 
we'll get we'll get back to that. We'll get back to some of that stuff. I want to I want to cover off on a couple things. Um, you'll appreciate this, Seth. Remember how we were just hunting in June? We hunted oryx at the White Sands. Yep. Missile range or not? Ugh. I'll rehash. Off range in New Mexico. We had a whole show about this, but I'll just explain to folks real quick. In New Mexico, there's like two oryx hunts. It's more complicated than this, but just to, to simplify things, there's two oryx hunts. There's on range, which means you get to actually hunt the White Sands Missile Range. And it's real hand-holdy. Like, it's like a 90-some percent success rate, but real hand-holdy. You got to go to a little seminar. They kind of tell you you can go over there, but you can't go over there. And at seven o'clock, you got to be out of here and you can't start till it's this very like, you know, it's like being in the army. Yeah. And it's on, <laughs> it's like I mean, being, it's that way because it's on a military base. Oh, there's top like secret. They got unexploded ordnance all around. Yeah. And, they got aliens locked up. <laughs> yeah. It's like they got all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah. So it's real handholdy, but you're going to get one. Like if you show up, you'll get one. And they call it a once-in-a-lifetime hunt. So once you draw on range, you can't ever draw it again. Meanwhile, the rest of the damn state is off range. And that's a very low success rate. Um, what was it? I don't remember. I don't it's remember low. either. Why, what's the 10%? Why do they fail? Just Probably don't show up. Yeah, probably don't show up. Or they're, they're, they want a hog. Or I don't know. You have no idea. And on range, they got all this other shit. Like they got a broken horn season where you can shoot one with a busted horn. It's crazy, but I'm trying to speak generally. Anyhow, when you're hunting off-range, you can hunt the whole damn state, but it makes most sense to hunt along the, the fence line. And some bitch thing is 130 miles north to south. We just kind of worked one, the western. We kind of worked the western edge within zero, within leaning on the fence, which I always felt guilty about. When I leaned on that fence, I kind of leaned flat-handed so that my fingers didn't go into the missile range. <laughs> From leaning on the fence to five, what, five, six? We killed one, what, five miles off? Yeah. Five miles out of the range? Yeah. You'll appreciate this story. Something happens there where footprints, thousands of year old footprints get solidified in that sand down there. Like when conditions are right, someone can walk through and leave footprints in the mud. That's what it is. When it's yep. when it happens to be wet, you leave a footprint, and the way it dries and blows in, things that happen in the mud get stuck in the mud. Like wet concrete sidewalk or yep. something. Check this out. This is the coolest thing in the world. I like to think Rick could appreciate it, but he uh I don't know. You'll have to tell us, Rick. I wish Rick had one of those dials. You could just tell how. I want to get some dials installed in here where people that are in can turn it up if they like what they're hearing and turn it down <laughs> if they don't because it would improve the quality of the show so much. Yeah, but you'd be looking at the dial. You'd be distracted. Oh, that's all I would look at. Right now, I just look at the timer. <laughs> no. If there was a dial and all the dials Minute were, by minute ratings. That's what you want? Yes. I don't know if you Everyone want in here had a dial. <laughs> and in all those dials. The people were, don't know what they want. All those dials were collated yeah. into a single meter. So Kurt might be like, zero, zero, zero. Doesn't like the story. And yeah. Rick could be like, I love it. And Ridge Pounder's like, 10, 10. So yeah. it's throwing me a whatever. A five. five. Yeah. That's how you get mediocrity. Just I feel like when I tell five. you what I'm going to now tell you, this that son of a bitch would be code red. <laughs> <laughs> 10. Okay. They got some footprints. Hear this out. They have some footprints that I know are at least 10,000 years old. 
in the white sands outside of the closed area. They, they can't follow the trail into the top secret part of the missile range. They're not allowed to follow the trail in it. It's a long trail of a barefoot person. They feel it was a young male or woman based on shoe size. Carrying a child on their hip barefoot. How can they tell that? Just to- Because they think it was on its carrying it on its left hip because now and then they'd set the kid down. Oh, and they would have the footprints. So it's a youngish male or female carrying a child, occasionally setting the child down. The child walks with. When the child's not walking, the gait of the person changes and their weight, they're putting more weight on the left hip. No shit. They walked one way. And then they came back on their same trail. And in the time they were gone, a mammoth and a giant ground sloth stepped on their tracks. No No way. (laughs) And they're able to... Yes. Whoa. There is mammoth and ground sloth tracks on the person's tracks. And then the person came back over the same trail, crossed the mammoth and ground sloth tracks, not carrying the child. Oh my God. Dude, that is so cool. Not carrying the child. Not carrying the child. Oh, not carrying. They brought the kid. Oh. To wherever. Mammoth got it. Someone's like, hey, can you watch my kid? (laughs) And you're like, (laughs) I got to go chase after the sloth. (laughs) Can you like, whatever. Can you watch my kid today? Where I'm having a, a date night. <laughs> so if you don't mind, bring it back over to my camp later. What would the climate have been 10,000 years ago in New Mexico in that area? Cold, oh, right? They, they Still cold. Foot. They were barefoot. They definitely cold, had. And there was mud. Yeah, there was mud. So it's not like. It wasn't frozen. But there's a mammoth. That's why they know the date. I think it's yeah. like, it's obviously like. You got to think, it wasn't the last mammoth. Yeah, but it was, I, I highly doubt down. that it was the last mammoth that crossed her trail. Yeah. So, you know, the, the clock changes all the time. Like the first humans to arrive here, the fashionable number used to be like 13,000 years ago. Now they got sites sometime around 20,000 years ago. Mammoths were largely gone by, you know, 12, 13,000 years ago. So somewhere in that window. There's a theory that, not even really a theory, that, that you couldn't have peopled the Americas prior to the invention of the eyed needle. Like they had to have had tailored clothing because they came through Siberia. Oh, yeah. So Can't these are that people without, that had yeah. to have, That's good. had to have known how to make footwear had to have known how to make parkas because of where you know they came from. Yeah. Where's the meter at, Rick? Oh, pretty high. I'm into it. Tell me more, Steve. He could go Roger Ebert, and he'd be throwing a couple thumbs right now. Oh, right? yeah. That's two thumbs up for sure. So, <laughs> Oh, Rick's meter is, like, yeah. like high. <laughs> so these tracks, just the sand eventually blew away, and they uncovered. walked in the mud. I'm looking. I got the thing right now. So it's like sandstone now. Yeah. Well, no, because here's the thing. I'm looking at the article. I'm trying to not just have to read the damn article. But they walked in the mud and were sliding a lot in the mud. 
Wish and wishing they had some Schnee's boots or something. Yeah, wish they had crampons or something. <laughs> <laughs> they were sliding a lot in the mud and dodging something. Like now and then we're veering and hopping. They've they throw us. out mud puddles or mammoth shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Huh. They had some hops. So, yeah, they'd set the kid down and rest down then. The kid would mill around. What what happens is, um, so there's 400 footprints. And they would make a track in the mud, and then things would dry and sand would blow in. The problem with, they've known about the tracks for a while. The minute you excavate the track and reveal it, it's, it vanishes. No oh, shit. Oh, man. So they film it or something. Purposefully don't, you know, go in and do them all. But they said it's full of White Sands National Park. It's full of these old prints. That's crazy. That's really cool. And it, there's a slight shift in coloration that'll reveal the tracks. When you guys were down there, they hunting, call them ghost tracks. When you guys were hunting, did you, was it that, that climate that you left your mark? Oh, I'm sure someday they'll dig it up. And be like, uh, they'll find me and Seth in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> some guy What's really his knew, Vibram logo? Some guy <laughs> really knew what was up with some dude kind of <laughs> didn't really know what was up. You can tell his tracks. No, that's great. That's an interesting story. Now, with your me- meters high, this is going to make your meters go lower. I had a, I was telling a story about my kid getting a, a gnat a red-legged fly in his ear. You ever have that, Kurt? No. That sounds really? horrible. I feel like you'd have that because you hunted in Alaska so much and stuff. Well, yeah, the little no-CMs that climb around. But You never had the... one against your eardrum? No, not with one that I couldn't get out. It sounds terrible. It was in there, and it was it, it was so bad, it was affecting his equilibrium and making him nauseous. Oh, man. So How old was he when this was happening? Just the summer hunting caribou. Oh. Well, we were actually butchering caribou back at the airstrip, at the... Not the air, at the air carrier. So was it alive in yeah. there and kind of moving around? Oh, I was and that's freaking what... him out. I was with this dude, this old roommate I had, this dude named Dan one time, and he got a caddis fly. We were fishing. He had a hell of a night that night. He caught a bat on his back cast, and he didn't like that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> then he uh, got a caddis fly in his ear and flipped. Oh, yeah. Then he slept in his car and wouldn't get out to pee because he thought a mountain lion was going to get him. <laughs> oh, wow, God. man. People Hell of a night. Yeah. Um, that reminds me real quick. I'm putting this. If, if you go and look on Instagram, you'll see this picture. This dude has sent us a picture of a pelican that goes down in his ditch and catches a carp. Tries to fly away with the carp, but it's such a heavy load, he can't get elevation. Goes into the power lines, hits the power lines, catches on fire. Oh, God. Lands and starts a brush fire. Oh, jeez. And he sends a picture of the pelican laying there hung up in a barbed wire fence with a big fire scar moving away from it across the ground. Still with the carp hanging out of his mouth. Holy shit. That kind of day. That's That's the kind of day day. this dude had. And we got it out with a... Pair of fishing hemis, like a hemostat. Oh, you were able to go in and do the caddis when this dude Dan had it happen to him. Oh, and we practically had to pin him down. Yeah. Um, 
when my boy got it, someone's like, put hydrogen peroxide in there. And we dumped hydrogen peroxide in there. And holy shit, that bug come out in a hurry. Well, our uh, resident physician here at Meat Eater, Adam Lazara, wrote in advising, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) He says, on average, he's an emergency room. He's been on the podcast. Uh, When he was on the podcast, the thing I remember most is that you remember like for our whole lives, for our, everyone in this room, our age group, car crashes were our lead cause of death. Mm-hmm. It had always been that. When he was on, um, opioid overdoses had surpassed car crashes as the thing that will kill you. Jeez, man. Where's, wow. Isn't it cardiac isn't arrest? Nuts, man? No, that kicks in next. Oh, so it's opioids. Yeah, between 30 and 40 or whatever, 30 and... 50. Yeah, it was like it had always been like vehicular collisions would kick in at like 18 or something like that or 16 yeah. and then up to a certain date like that's what that would be your lead cause of death and then it switches to like heart disease and all that shit. Oh, okay, got you. But opioid overdoses for males opioids were killing more dudes than cars. Ugh. Jeez. It's a I, real problem. I got a bug ear thing. I could add in. Nope. Please hold no. tight though, because let me finish my thing. Right. I just want it because I need to point this out because he's like he gets people four to five times a summer, um, in the emergency room, moths and whatnot in people's ear canals. He uses a very viscous lidocaine to drown the bug and anesthetize the ear canal. Oh, so he does a one because he's a doctor and he has access to all kinds of cool stuff. He like. Pain relieves and wipes out the bug. He suggests if you're going to do this at home, dump mineral oil in there. Huh. It's hydrogen peroxide is too strong of an oxidizer. If you had a hole in your tympanic membrane, the chemical could possibly damage the inner ear on the other side of the membrane. Also, you don't want that bug moving around vigorously. So is your son okay? Drown, you put that oil in there and he's like, is he's not wh- like, fuck! <laughs> is that why your kid ran into the truck with the snowblower this morning? Is he all right? <laughs> no, he just ran into the... <laughs> he also... Uh, he also just... He doesn't look where the snout's pointing. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just I'm right in my face, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then crashed into the... Oh, he's having a great time, though, I bet. Crashed into the truck, and then he, like, sees the neighbor shoveling and abandons our whole project to go over there and save the day with the snowblower. (laughs) I was like, like, yeah, go over. He's like, I got this, Go ruin that person's stuff. (laughs) Does he got got a matching mini jigging onesie like you? You guys are out there doing No, he doesn't wear a squid jigging onesie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell me your bug story. Oh, just on fire, and Seth may have known about this, too, but firefighters, moss in the air is... Is common because if you're doing like nighttime fire line cutting, all these bugs are flying around and you got headlamps. And so a lot of times they'll, whatever, for whatever reason, they'll right into the ear and. Oh, they're drawn to the headlamp. Yeah. So we had our superintendent on the shot crew got one stuck in for like a day. And was just, yeah, like you're saying, just driving him. Was it making him nauseous? Yeah. Yeah. He was like out. Have you been glad to be, uh, not firefighting the summer? Yeah. Oh, it? yeah. No. 
I mean, you miss the camaraderie, but oh hell no. You don't get camaraderie hanging out with us? No, that's what I mean. I got I got that, and that's all that I got from firefighting. So that's all you liked about it. Yeah, and yeah. Do you mind real quick sharing what's going on with you guys? Little dipping, like where you're at with the dipping right now. The different products you guys are into. Oh well. Now that Kurt, you reignited <laughs> Kurt's patch. That's I, one thing with actually, that monastic bullshit that falls apart, dude. It's Kurt has a, a yeah. nicotine addiction. No, but he stuck to his. Uh, I haven't his had program. one today. That's not yeah. addicted. You haven't had one today. No. It's performance enhancing out there. <laughs> but and I haven't been around these guys yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you still terrible influence. You stuck to not buying anything. Yeah, I still haven't bought anything. I so. Won't. Oh, so that's how you draw the line. Yeah. But it, it's a little chink in your armor, man. One like of a many. Sucker for some, <laughs> <laughs> a sucker for some dip. Yeah. Yeah, what, what's the product you're using nowadays? I mean, it's Zen. It's just it's straight-up science nicotine. It's nicotine powder. So there's no tobacco product. So it doesn't make you have cancer. That's what they say, but again, as we were talking about at the trailhead, it's only been out for like a year or something, a couple of years. So they they don't know. It's probably worse for you than tobacco. Wait, but hasn't, haven't we proven that nicotine can, like nicotine itself can cause cancer? That's what, I had this argument with someone. I don't know, but I just assumed that. No, that I think, yeah, nicotine alone is a carcinogen or whatever. I don't uh, know about that. Yeah. Is our fact checker. Yeah, fact checker. I definitely could be wrong I'm about that. I'm going to look it up. But it is less, it's definitely less abrasive and more convenient, so it's, uh, I, I started them to quit chewing, and yeah, now but you I just double, double down. <laughs> now he does both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the same yeah. time. But you're doing the low dose, we, right? Yeah. yeah the three. Three. Yeah. Years yeah. ago, Garrett was down in South America with his, and his quitting plan was to, didn't you bring like a, a brand, you were going to quit while you're gone. Yeah. And the plan was to bring a brand you didn't like. Yeah. So you weren't going to quit. <laughs> well, yeah. And it was to, yeah, it was, you were going to bring a brand you didn't like. Well, uh, and so you brought Grizzly. Yeah. And then I ended up finding <laughs> that when I ran out, I, I went a couple of days and then like spent a week focused on finding <laughs> nicotine. <laughs> Did I, you find any? Oh, there? yeah. I Chill. found, I found uh, the general at a like Norwegian hostel or something. <laughs> and then you got dope. Yeah. And then Garrett was saying he got back home and went into a gas station and the cans were talking to him from behind the counter. Yeah. And by me. So <laughs> <laughs> <Is it> okay. <laughs> so your flavor now, what's you like what brand? Skull Classic, long cut. And uh um but you also like have some of that and then you just have straight nicotine yeah. and then you have some more long cut. Well, I used to Do you put them both in at the same time? I mean, if there's beers involved sometimes, but usually <laughs> usually I would go which you'll find surprising. I'd only do two chews in the morning. Two chews in the afternoon, and then, you know, cocktail hour is kind of game on. <laughs> <laughs> do you just, but, a cocktail hour, do you run one long one, or you rotate it out? Between beers? Yeah, one long one, kind of. Mm. Is the two chews um, one right after another? At, in the morning and oh, in no, the no, afternoon? No. It, it, it's, it's up to me, but so if I burn those two chews before 10, I got to wait till 12.01. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <So> I can't <laughs> get used to Seth being down in the engineering yeah. Yeah. Oh, he looks good down Captain. there. Oh, he looks great, dude. Oh. He looks like so much more authoritative. <laughs> I know. Like, I normally I would just more dismiss now. whatever he uh -huh. said, but now I'd be like, oh, he'll tell me more. I feel like I have power sitting over this, <laughs> this board. Lights and knobs and sliders It's in intimidating. 
But now, uh, now instead of having a break from nicotine, I pop a Zin in. Dude, I ran one of those Zins yesterday for like four hours. It like disintegrated my lip. <laughs> yeah. We were up in all the steep stuff that I got all stressed out about. I uh, just ran it for the whole in, day. Which may or may not have helped. When we were fra- yeah. you know, framed in our studio here is my favorite possession in the whole world <laughs> is, is when Dirt made the cover of Dip Aficionado magazine. Yeah. Rick's photo. When we were in uh, Wyoming, antelope hunting, um, I think, was it, Chet, was that you that gave Rick one of those Zins? Oh, listen, there's one thing about this that cannot be spoken. What? Who was doing what dipping? Oh, yeah, that's... There's a top secret dipping. Well, my my dipping was not top secret. No, Rick's dipping is not top secret. But don't tell any stories about... Oh, oh, I was here with only, Chester. Oh, Chester. No, this Chester is only about Rick. Really yeah. No, only about I know Rick. who you're talking about. But I had about, it yeah. in for like a minute, and I was like, I got, oh, t- yeah, yeah. I got all lightheaded. I'm not a nicotine. Yeah. Did you have to defecate <laughs> right away? No. But I know people use it for that reason. My brother <laughs> believes <laughs> that his colon has a annex. <laughs> that there's a col that his colon has an offshoot colon that needs nicotine to. That's always loaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it do- he's like. I could taking a growler could be the last thing on my mind. Like zero need to take a growler. The minute he has a dip, there it is. Yeah, I can. <laughs> so the that. only That's explanation true. is that there's a part of a annex to his colon that is activated, that's locked and loaded. Nicotinic receptors. And the primer, <laughs> the primer, the the the, the spark, the the flint and steel, so to speak, is. Uh, Dip. Yep. Because then, whoop, there it is. No, that's true, man. Yeah. Pull Actually, the car over. <laughs> kind of, there it is. You had that happen at <laughs> Wyoming camp. You were having issues. Yeah, I mean, it definitely keeps me regular, that's for sure. Yeah. Really? Is that I'm, why you use it? Yeah, I'm kind of like Yanni when I think Because Yanni, the Lavian plug? Yeah, once you travel. <laughs> me and my brother one time were on an elk hunt. My brother's the same way. And I swear we both didn't go for six Days. Oh, Good. oh God. God, I would die. It was in the family. Jesus. But our stomachs don't bloat. It's oh, just God. like we eat and some it goes somewhere. Into the you annex. Just burn it all up. Into the tobacco yeah. annex. But that the the dip definitely helps. The Zins. Just for my wife listening. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't cause cancer. <laughs> the research. Uh, Didn't they say vaping was better for you than smoking? No, they, like, like now it's like, it turns your glass to lungs. And... I just looked it up. Nicotine, they're doing some research about its role in, as a cancer-causing agent. And if not itself, it it metaboli- metabolizes into some chemicals that are cancer-causing. So, Oh, after you ingest it? Just pure nicotine. They always thought that the other substances were the... The, oh, to, but some of the, the, you know, the gum and some other stuff could still. Yeah, but when they get like, if you go to like, Cali- like it can't be like the California kind of cancer. Yeah, because that's heavy. <laughs> that's every, that's yeah. everything. Everything I buy yeah, is a label. Well, life, that's that's dude, you can't, cancer. you already notice in California, dude, you get on the, air, you get on the me airplane, it tells you're going to get cancer <laughs> for getting on the airplane. Fishing, fishing's cancer. Oh. Known by the state of California to cause cancer. Yeah, you can't <laughs> you buy lead weights, You use a sinker. Yeah, but I think nicotine's probably enough. More reasonable category of hey, it's better than opioids though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll buy it. So uh, I don't want to belabor the thing, but I was telling you, I what I want to do is get into um, oh the ch- the cha the whiskey. Because when we cha. were down in New Mexico, I had a dip off of a. T- tell everybody what that was. That I liked a lot. Um, it was Morgan. Yeah, I can't remember that name. Uh, Mike Rule had it. 
I'm going to remember it because Daniel Morgan wrote the best Daniel Boone. Robert Morgan. The guy by the last name of Morgan, Morgan. wrote the best Boone biography. So I'm going to remember, I like Daniel Boone. And you like dip. And Morgan. I like that dip <laughs> called I, Morgan. I remember because I used to buy, well, I used to dip uh, or chew Levi Garrett when I was like in college and stuff, just like side hack. Was that a dude, Levi Garrett? I don't know. He makes jeans too, right? Or no? Yeah. I don't know. Never mind. No. Strauss. Levi you know what? Strauss. Yeah, I'll tell you something. But Oh, go ahead. I, I was, if like the Morgan shit was cheaper. So if I was running low on funds, I'd buy Morgan instead of Levi. Instead of. Oh, Morgan's cheaper than Levi Garrett? Yeah. So it what this dude does, this dude, now. Mike Rule, uh, quit chew, but still chews. How does that work? Because he beat the addiction. No. <laughs> Same thing, Kurt. He beat the addiction so thoroughly that he can now just have a recreational dip and then not dip for weeks. It's kind of like a, a dude that quit smoking cigarettes, but like has a cigar oh, every yeah. once in a while. That's what exactly. kind of seems like. To That's me. a great way of looking at it. Yeah, I, I'd argue that I'm a recreational dipper, though. It's just timelines different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know uh, Ronnie Bame, who most of you guys oh, know. Oh yeah, Ronnie Bame got addicted to cigarettes through cigar smoking. He went the other direction. Oh really? He started smoking stogies. He might tell you this story a little bit differently, for, but from my observation, <laughs> he's no, I think he'd agree. He started smoking like old man type stogies, you know, like big fatties. Then started smoking like little dinkers. And oh, then Swedish. was basically smoking stogies that looked like a brown cigarette. And then just went to cigarettes. <laughs> it's like one of those things, like, you know, those like evolution charts yeah. where like a little monkey turns into a bro. <laughs> It'd be like a dude Opposite. turned into a little monkey. <laughs> His like path. Yep. So so he's off the because uh, I remember on that I got I don't know where he's at right now. But, but he was he was chain smoking, uh, Swisher sweets cigars. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> like, holy man, shit, that's man. Yeah. dude. He like he like monkeys one off the other. Yeah. Real switch, yeah, yeah, chain, like, yeah. yeah, like that's like smoking cardboard roll. It's like tobacco rolled in cardboard, man. Yeah. Speaking of Boone, here's a, here's another little thing I want to talk about. Uh, this is this is a this is applicable to me and Seth because me and Seth are, are going on a a, a muzzleloader flintlock. We're gonna hunt with some flintlocks. Yep, old old style hunting. On a recent podcast, we were talking about uh, like did. Front did you did did users of muzzleloaders not people who are like doing it for funsies but like people who are actually shooting muzzleloaders um did they free pour powder or did they measure powder and and when you're watching old westerns they're always free pouring right this guy wrote in he said there's this thing you need to consider about this. Part of measuring today is because we have standardized powder. Back then, he said it was way more art than science. And you're like, powder was all, was highly variable. And I'd forgot about this detail as Boone would even make his own powder. How, how's that? Well, the first time he went over the Cumberland Gap, he was going on a year-long hunt. 
He hunted and built up a small fortune of hides. Otter, beaver, deer hides. The Pawnees stole them, stole his stuff. Decided to stay an extra year. Worked up another big load. They stole that. Jeez. Came back empty-handed. So he was gone two years. Ran out of gunpowder. And he got sulfur from a deposit. He got... Uh, Charcoal, isn't it? No, sorry. Sulfur and phosphorus? Burned willow. So he got bat guano for phosphate. Oh, phosphate, yeah. Bat guano for phosphate. Burned willow and had ash, which was some component of it. Got sulfur from like a lick, like a deposit. And then used his own piss. They would wet the mixture. They'd make the mixture and wet it with your own piss. Ammonia or whatever. For the nitrogen. Then you'd spread it out and let it dry and you'd make this powder. So anyways, this dude wrote in talking about. That's insane. um, Artisanal. That it was like all powder was different. So the fact that you're like, oh, Bessie shoots best with 100 grains of powder would be. Depends on the It just wouldn't even be like in their thinking. It'd be that there's hot powders and shitty powders and powders that got wet too many times yeah. and you dried them back out. And it would just be just very touch and go all the time. Um, so you'd figure out your powder amount for that batch that you had. It or, was, yeah, just a very fluid. And a thing you got to think about, like now when dudes, um, now when people hunt with Muzz loaders, or use any kind of like archaic, archaic technology. This is the thing I ponder all the time. It's like you're dabbling in a thing that was just what people did and knew. So, if you're, let's say you're Boone, your father had one of these, you had one of these, shot one of these from the start. It was regarded as a technological advancement. Oh, yeah. It was a cutting edge piece of equipment. It wasn't, you weren't like fussing, you weren't like messing with something. You weren't like experimenting with something. It would be the same as like their relationship to that technology would be like your relationship to your phone. Just very ingrained. Yeah. Daily, ingrained, highly intuitive. It's like, it wouldn't, you know, it's not like now like, oh, we have this date set where we're going to go shoot flintlocks, you know. And blow our faces off. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be just like you lived it all the time. Yeah, extension. So it just probably didn't feel like how we think it felt. Well, I'm sure there was improvements within within each of those technologies that they're really excited about. Oh, totally. Like little small things, like like smooth bore to rifled barrels. Yeah, or what? Big advancement. Yeah. What What are you guys shooting? Is it rifled? Mm -hmm. What's the range for you guys? This hunt. I guess it depends on the person, but I'm I'm looking fifty yards and in. Oh, tick liquor. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Steve? Like close. Like bow. Dude, b- I bow wounded range. a bull. I wounded a bull and lost it last year with the flint not line. even a flintlock. Yeah, you didn't even have an yeah. explosion go off in your face. Dude, that thing hit the ground too. That bull. Yeah, but I just so they lose their the. Momentum. They just not. They're not hauling ass. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're not hauling ass. I, I it, you know, when I hit that bull, I think I, you know, hit it high up on the shoulder and like knocked it down. But he just got up and left, mm-hmm. like left no, the like country. Barely any blood either. It was like very little blood. It was like punching him. Yeah, but Get, no, like getting shot with a bulletproof vest on. That, so that was I learned, like a, I, I learned my lesson on that shit, man. Now I'm like Johnny tight when it comes to. I mean, the, granted, that thing was you know whatever six hundred pounds and. And that was like a bullet type, like a, what do they call it, Savitz? No, it was we're, true. To, I think it was true to bore, wasn't it? We're we're going to be running patch and ball. Oh, yeah, no man. Right. I'm greasing my shit with bear grease, too. Oh, dude. So you take, like, when you're shooting a flintlock, <laughs> you got, well, you don't believe me? No, no, it's just funny. No, I totally believe you. I doubt in my mind. You get a little patch of, it's a, a circle of cloth. Or you make your own. What, what, what are you What are you smirking about? I just I this is all I just I've never heard of this. You know the you know the old like talk them to us. Seth they, Seth's killed all kinds of shit. No, this is great. We used to make our my, own my meter is very high right yeah. now. We used oh, to make yeah. our own <laughs> patches out of they called it bed ticking. Oh yeah, it was like that. Blue, it looks like blue, a prison. It looks it's like, like, it's a, like a prison suit. It's like blue and white striped shit, and you cut. I cut square patches, mm-hmm. not round. There are square patches. I learned all this from um good family friend, the Fetzer family. That um, sounds like an old muzzleloader family. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah, that's who got got me into it. Yeah, because it feels like the Van Fossenbergs. Be like, <laughs> I'd be no. like, bullshit. <laughs> no, Fetzers. <laughs> um But yeah, we would cut our own patches and grease them up and then they uh What'd you use for grease? I think we used I don't remember exactly what it was. Oh, you know what we could use? Bear grease would be sweet. Python oil. There we Whoa. go. I bet no one's doing that shit. No, man. We'll bring python oil. Because I got a quart burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> where did you, where did you get python oil? Oh, we had this snake biologist on that works in the pythons down in Florida. He gave me a quart of rendered snake oil. Whoa. What do you use it for? It grosses me out. I'm not using it for anything. So <laughs> what did grease, he say? I'm grease, grease and muzzleloader pa- patches. He gave it to me as <laughs> the oddity. Oh, not as like, here, cook your eggs with this. No, it's like a thing that you have, and then you, when people come to your house, you're, you're like, like see that? <laughs> Take but a, it, he, didn't, he sent it to me without tightening the lid down very tight. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, but Shit's anyway. Great. I, I think that stuff's like utterly disgusting. Does it smell gross? No, but just the thought of it. Yeah. Snake oil. Snake oil. Oh, yeah, the medicine you're talking about. Yeah. Kurt probably drink it. Would you drink that, Kurt? Uh, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it sounds it, foul. If it increased your efficiency, you probably would. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, but anyway, they would they would pour their own. They'd cast their own balls. 50, 50 caliber. The Fatskers. Fetzers. Fetzers. Yeah. yeah. Really? Man, we used to cast. No, I never cast my own balls. We used to go down to the gun range. We got to get to talk about what we're supposed to be talking about, but uh, real quick. I want to hear more. I want you to explain this more, Seth. But we used to go down to the gun range and sift through the bank, the berm, mm, get the lead, and we would cast our own sinkers. Oh, cool! And Ronnie Bame makes his own birdshot. Yeah, which is cool as shit. You ever see that done, Kurt? No, I haven't. It's through a drop. It it's just formed through the air. Well, that would be cool. Like they use, there's a thing called a shot tower. I've heard of that, but I didn't know how 
how how tall does it have to be? Well, shot tower is tall. You're just like dripping little driblets of lead, and they fall down this shaft and cool and form into a sphere in the air like a raindrop. And by the time they hit the ground, they're cooled. Hmm. Ronnie's little deal was he doing it into oil? Into water, I thought. Was it water or oil? I wasn't there. I just remember seeing it on the show. I think he drops them into. I can't remember. But he's got this little thing. It's got a little aperture on it. You melt lead, get cancer. <laughs> dump, <laughs> dump the lead into this bucket. And the bucket's got a little teensy, teensy aperture, or a whole bunch, like a series of, I can't remember, 20 or a dozen little apertures, like pinholes. And the pinhole determines the shot size, right? So you dump the molten lead in, have a cigar, <laughs> drink a whole bunch of beer. It's like the Ronnie Bame recipe. <laughs> Sit in a closed area, whatever, uh, <laughs> and out dribbles all of his. But I mean, this dude's like a like a t- he's a tinker. Like he's like he could make anything. He's like, remember in the end of the A team, they'd always find like a sweet shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he, Ronnie'd smoke those dudes on from the A team, like to rig up shit in a shop. Uh, and out would dribble all these little dribbles, and they'd fall through the air and land in whatever the hell he cooled it with. I don't know, some liquid. I bet water would. I thought it was water. I don't think it was water. Well, man. water would cause bubbling in it, right? I think he dripped yeah. it with some kind of oil. But I don't remember dealing with a bunch of oily-ass shot. If Rick, if Rick was any good at fact-checking, he'd have this shit figured uh. out. So. <laughs> Failing. Uh, go back to the Fetzers. Yeah, no, I was just saying that we, they'd cast their own, their own balls and cut their own patches and grease the patch mm-hmm. you don't know what they I forget it what it was i don't remember i think it was just some sort of oil you just you'd stack a bunch of them up and dribble the oil dribble the oil there. on them and it'd soak through yeah so you take your empty bear you got your empty gun mm-hmm. pour a shot of powder down there 90 grains put a patch That's what we always did. put a ball then you got to seat that ball yep then ram it home Yep. So it's powder, patch, ball, ram at home. And then if you're in a Western and a dude charges you and you don't have time to take the ramrod out, just smack him arrow and shoot him right with that freaking ramrod, man. I always think of the last of the Mohicans when you talk about Flintlock. Does he do that in there? Yeah. The, shoot like, someone with the ramrod? No, it shoots an elk or something. It's like the opening scene. He's oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, he's like chasing it yeah. or something. It's like very it's, outmaneuvering yeah. it. That seems ridiculous. Yeah. When I did that, when I did that GQ thing where it like called the breakdown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That we, was, we covered that yep. scene. Um, yeah. Sends but that elk s- ass smoke. over tea kettle <laughs> with that flintlock. Like it does like a triple somersault yeah. off a cliff. So, uh, yeah. And then the, there's a frizzin. Yep. What's a frizzin? Well, there's like this little... It's hard. It's like a hard steel that the flint strikes oh. to cause the spark. Yep. And there's a little buckskin. You got a little square of flint, like maybe three quarters of an inch square, half inch square. Yep. And there's a, there's a little gripper, a spring-loaded gripper, and you line that spring-loaded gripper with a little chunk of buckskin for grip. Stick the flint in that little gripper. Cock the hammer. The hammer goes forward, hits the frizzin. What? Explosion. No. Yeah. The explosion number one. Because under that frizzin is a little teensy quarter teaspoon about of fine powder. Yeah. Like the frizzin's 
covering up a pan full of fine powder. So when the hammer comes down, hits the frizzin, it knocks the frizzin out of the way, but still causes a spark, and then the spark falls right into the flash pan. Dude, it's like a Rube. Oh, it's like the yeah. Rube Goldberg is contraption of all <laughs> Rube Goldberg contraptions. So it whap. Yeah, and that's right. The frizzin fly is on a hinge. Yep, flies forward, M- moves forward. This little quarter teaspoon of fine powder ignites, and there's a thing called a touch hole, which. When your gun doesn't work, it's probably because your touch hole's plugged up. With the fine powder? Yeah. That little bucket, that little quarter teaspoon, the wall of that bowl has a pinhole through it that leads into the breach of the flintlock. One of those sparks from that little thing going off hops through the hole. And he's like, surprise! (laughs) And then, like, he lights off everybody in there. So it goes like clack, boom, boom. So is this a tree? And you got to hold steady the whole damn time. Yeah. So is it what you guys are doing, like tree stand? It's like, boom. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do some, a little bit of both. Because that sounds good. Some sitting and then some, do some mooching, some driving. Uh, You don't know this, but I'll tell you something. I didn't hunt it, but, but I killed a bull buffalo. Um, with a flintlock. Really? No. Yep. No shit. Yeah, that's a we were thick on a, we were on a reservation, and they had like they do like these controlled harvests on this reservation, mm-hmm. and like reservation members can go out and like however they want to do it, they'll go out and can get one, and just kind of I, I don't really. It was a little bit like it was kind of like a le- weird sort of like you like an experimentation with a live thing. I don't really want to sort that out right now, but anyways, we went out. I shot it in the heart. Nice. I shot it in the heart at 90 yards. Dang. That's pretty good. Yeah. It was like a luck. It was, yeah. I remember. Uh, Anyways, one, it went. It, about, it took about eight minutes, went and laid down and died. No shit. Yeah. I remember one of the uh, primos, truth about hunting, one of the elk hunting ones, Will shoots a, I think it was in Colorado or somewhere. He's, I think it was a, with a flintlock too, but he shoots an elk with a muzzleloader. It was either flintlock or percussion. Hmm. But old, like old school. I thought it was cool as shit. Yeah. Chester, you were going to say something about the greasing. Well, it wasn't very important. It was just about lead and uh, water. I used to build boat anchors. And any time lead hit water, it was just, it'd like explode on itself. That's not, well, oh, that's right. Because remember, yeah. I was... Not explode, but it it loses its form. Yeah, it like pops and loses its form. It it forms into weird shapes, just like La- Yanni's Latvian the, yeah, tradition. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, remember yeah. when we all had to throw the lead in the bucket to predict our future? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. You yeah. know about this, Chris? No. What's that? On New Year's, Latvians melt up some lead and... Throw a gob of it into a bucket of water. And it tells you. And then you take that gob and it forms crazy shapes. Yeah. Then you get a light and shine it at a wall. And hold that gob of lead, that misshapen gob of lead to the light and it casts a shadow. And you twist it and see what you see in there. And that tells you what will happen to you or it could inform your year. I generally tend to see old arthritic 
<laughs> imagery. <laughs> oh, so it's kind of like a Rorschach thing. Like what you see is what is going to, oh, okay. It's what's coming. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to try that with my, I got a Latvian neighbor across the street from us. I'm going to try that this year with her. Yeah. She, you should test her knowledge about it. Oh, she knows. She hangs out at some like LA Latvian camp. She like, it's like oh, the Latvian. Oh, her and Yanni should get together. Yeah. Her name's Inga. She's um, nice. She has some questionable opinions, didn't she? Yeah, let's not get into that. Yeah, she's things I had to walk away from. A couple of convos you had to cut a couple short. Couple convos. I was like, oh, well, you have a nice day there, Inga. Go back inside, and lock the door. Not talk to you for a week. OnX Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. This hunting season, they will have a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like leaf off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back, and imagery on demand. On top of that, OnX is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates OnX has for this hunting season. Try OnX Hunt free for seven days or go to onxmaps.com slash hunt and use code MEATEATER for 20% off your new OnX Hunt membership. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the app I use most. I love it. I cannot picture life without it. Use code MEATEATER for 20% off on your new OnX Hunt membership. Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, errands has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store. Or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. All right. Now, um, Kurt, I got to tell you, uh, 
Couldn't sleep last night. I slept, but I woke up many times. Understandable. Just, uh, I've never been so, uh, not have been, just just distraught. Uh, and, and largely, I was telling these guys last night too, I'm having three feelings. Um, anger and disgust at myself. Well, I missed the mountain goat at three. I'll tell people, I'll just cut to the chase. I missed a mountain goat 300 yards. Nice big Billy. Kurt feels that it was an exception. <laughs> I think he said Once that was a, a mighty big Billy you missed there. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed the mountain goat at 300 yards. Just missed, right? Like Nicked him. Or not nicked him. Shot some hair off. It. Shot, some, shot hair some hair off its mane. Um... I know we'll talk about why I think that happened. Not that like, uh, I'll talk about why I think that happened, but I, but not that like I have excuse, like there's an explanation of the mistakes I made. Right. But the three feelings I've been having, one is anger and disgust, self-loathing. Two is why am I not more disappointed than I am? Um, cause I feel like I should be even more, have more self-loathing and anger and disgust. And three is just like um, really feeling that I let you down, Kurt. <laughs> oh, no. Because I started trying to draw a mountain. I, I first applied for a mountain goat tag in 1998. And finally, in 2020, drew a mountain goat tag. Well, I mean, I've drawn them in Alaska, but drew a mountain goat tag. And uh, we... Really poured the coals to it for five days under Kurt's leadership. Uh, snow, cold. Elevation, terrain. Just ha- struggles with visibility. But like, I mean, like finding goats, but just like, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a walk in the park. You know, it was kind of like, ah, fog and whatever. Just the annoyance of cold. And then. There, like, just a chip shot. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have felt like, um, yeah, the primary feeling I had was that uh, the primary, like, if you weren't there, I would have felt not as bad as I felt. Just really horrible. Oh. Waking up and just, it's like burned in my mind. I don't know, man. It, it, those, those things are all, they're, I feel like they're, they're, they're part of the hunting experience. You know, yeah, you have to have the highs, you have to have the lows to, to kind of have the full experience. Just like if we would have walked in there and found a goat on the first day, uh, walk up on it, hunts over. That was 22 years you put in for a tag for one day. That's not much of an experience. You're like, you know, now you have the whole process and it's not over. No, it's definitely not over. So, That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I like that, Kurt. Uh, yeah, it is, man. But um, and it'll mean a lot more. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I think about, though. Uh, I'm 46. I'll point out that you're 48. Thank you for that. 
I was like the other day, I was like, I was trying to like, rant, like as we were walking out, you know, like the walk of shame, right? Walking down the mountain after missing them. Uh, I'm like, man, really valuable lesson. Like I'll, I'll point out a handful of things. Uh, again, not excuses, but like a, a, a guess at where I screwed up. Um, they got their winter coats. Yep. And I failed it. And, and Kurt later pointed out when you're looking at the outline of that goat, there's a six inch buffer that's not a goat. No, especially this time of year because it's kind of that, even though they're starting, as you could see, they're starting to come into their winter coat, especially on those billies. The hair isn't so long that it's falling over mm. because when it, when it starts to get really long, it kind of splits down the middle like a hairline. And, like on a and muscox. It, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. starts to drape. But right now, like it's he, like short he parts his hair down the middle. Yeah, yeah. No, like right now, it's, it's like a buzz cut and everything's sticking straight up. So it could have been more than that. There's a bunch of goat that's not a goat. There's a, yeah, a bunch. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, when I killed one, the only mountain goat I got before was a nanny I shot in Alaska. And uh, when I hit it, it had enough umph left to take a couple steps and go off the abyss. Like 1,200 feet, you said, right? Yeah, I mean, I can show you, like, yeah. where this happened. I remember Kirby like, how could it, I was like, I could show you exactly how it fell that far. I mean, like a, like a, a, a face, like you wouldn't believe. And then got so much inertia going that when it did hit the slope below it, it just continued to go down the wet snow. Um. Anyways, it was demolished. It uh, Its brain was gone. Its skull split open. The horns were gone. The brain was gone. One of its lungs was tucked up into its front right ankle. Oh, jeez, man. The hide came loose but didn't come off. And somehow when the chest cavity erupted in the fall, it, like, sent a bunch of that stuff through. And so it was, like, up against its knee. Dude. That's gnarly. Oh, huge. Anyways. Something to try to avoid. So then it's like, don't, you don't want them, you, if you hit them, you don't want them taking a step. It's not like, like generally big game hunting, I just play it safe and give myself a huge margin for error. And I typically, like my typical hold is halfway up and down, two or three ribs back from the shoulder. It's like, that's, you know, and granted it's going to, whatever, it might take a step or two or whatever, but it's just generally like done me very well as a, as a, just a, you know, general little aim spot. Um, maybe a little lower than halfway. But either way, I was like, gotta, I was going to want to hit it in the high shoulder, hoping that it would not go off the cliff behind it or wherever, walk off and fall off a cliff. And then zeroed my rifle at a much lower elevation. And the higher elevation is, is uh, you know, there's less friction. So you got to count. So that's going to make you a little bit higher. I was shooting for a high shoulder, not accounting for all that hair. Um, and dialed and was dialed for perhaps a little bit, a tad longer than it was maybe. 
maybe, and just sent through two of them like through its right over the top. Duh. Does the that steeper angle? too, you are at a pretty steep angle, sharp angle, yeah, yeah, which becomes harder to to get an exact range because it really depends on exactly where you're picking. Yeah. Up. Well, to a, a factor that we were talking about last night is, I mean, we were posted up for a while waiting, which in my mind, for me, not being near as successful or tenured as you as shooting would mess with me, you know, with scope on the animal for 30 minutes or whatever. That, that, that wasn't it. No. Okay. I was aware of, we should back up. Well, I want to back up and tell the story a little bit. So, but yeah, to, to get to that part, it was bedded and we were having to wait for it to get up. And I was nervous about, um, getting chilly. Yeah, sitting in the snow. And then and the little gap of visibility was so narrow that you, you couldn't, like, go and start the process of trying to put a warmer clothes on because then you might get – I killed a nice buck one time with my pants down. <laughs> Not like what you think, putting, trying to get my long johns on. Yeah. Trying before, to get my long, Before the zippies. Before the zippies. Yep. I hiked up to a spot, got where I wanted to be for the evening sit, Got to the evening sit, thought, I'm going to get bundled up because I'm going to start freezing my ass because it's all sweaty. And got my pants off, started putting my LJs on. LJs around the ankles. And then kind of like had my LJs up, was get, getting back into my pants. And all of a sudden, looking, here's the buck I was trying to find. Funny, I got man. him, too. <laughs> yeah, I had to pull my pants up to run over there. Um <laughs> But didn't want to do that because I was afraid the goat would stand up and move while I was like one arm in a coat. Yeah. So I was nervous that I would start getting shivery. But I never got, I wish I could say that I got shivery, but I never got shivery. Oh my God, I feel like such a loser. Oh, point, I was trying, when I was pointing out our ages, let me get back to that. Now I'm going to walk through the whole story. Pointing out our ages is when we were walking out, I was like, what a learning lesson. What a learning lesson. But then I'm like, I feel like, learning should be about wrapping it up. <laughs> like no. my kid, he did his first two big game hunts. So he's 10. He got a mule deer and a caribou this year. He's in, he's learning, right? I did a lot of learning in my twenties. I feel like the learning is about done. Nah, man, Mm-mm. never ends. <sighs> no, cause at a point your performance goes, it's like, I should be at the the apex. You are. But stuff still I should happens. be at the apex. I still have my physical abilities. I still have my cognitive abilities. And I have a, like a tremendous amount of hunting experience that I've been um, able to get through my career. Right? So I'm probably, I should be, this should be like at, Late forties should be like what like you'd think that right now would be this moment of just perfection, and you don't make mistakes. It was damn close, (laughs) (laughs) right? I mean, it was that goat was in a real tough spot to get on, and it took us a lot of patience to work through that country. It that that wasn't a slam dunk. That wasn't a let's climb up over this ridge, and as soon as you look over the top. It's yeah. a done deal. How long did it take us 
to get in a spot where where you get a shot? We five started hours. five hours. Is yeah. that what it was? A five yeah. hour stock? I think it was five hours. Yeah. In and out of view for a majority of it. Yeah. So there's a lot that can go wrong in that. So yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, we should, you feel like you should have every base covered. But then in hindsight, I look back and given the information we had at the time, I wouldn't have changed anything that we did. Oh, I, I, absolutely not. When I was sitting so, there, when we finally found him 300 yards away and just had to wait for him to stand up, I was sitting there being like uh, astounded by the good fortune mm-hmm. because there was a lot of ways. When we were trying to put that little puzzle together, there was a lot of ways. Oh, I also wanted to point out, I almost called you in the middle of the night when I was sitting there awake. <laughs> <laughs> my my, my flirt, once we got up there and looked, when I was flirting with storming his ridge top. Would not have been a good plan. <laughs> Once I saw what it was actually like up there, um, no storm storming the ridge would have been like, well, you know, you never know when you go storm a ridge. It could go like, you never know. Yeah. But wouldn't have been a great ridge storm. It would have been like, you could have killed him with a knife. <laughs> it would have been like, either didn't get him or got him with a knife. Yeah. By the time you like. Popped into his zone. When you, <laughs> when you arrived in his zone, you'd have been like on him. I mean, presumably he would not be there anymore, but let's say he was sort of deprived of smell and uh, <laughs> let's sickly, say he, he has no sense of vision and no sense of smell, or sorry, no sense of hearing and no sense of smell, it would have been a knife fight. And you would have gone <laughs> off the other edge <laughs> yeah. to your demise. Bro. So yeah, I wanted to point out to you, Kurt, that your feeling that storming the ridge was not smart, um, was not, Yeah. You were that that perspective of yours was validated by the actual layout, which was not quite how I envisioned it. Yeah, it, it was a lot smaller up he, there. It, it, everything just looks a little bit larger. For example, we thought that he was sixty or eighty yards from that pinnacle, and you get up there and find out that man, it's only ten or fifteen yards or twenty yards. It, it, it's just it's weird how perspective. From that lower elevation as you're working up into that country, how it changes. Oh, it changes so much, man. Um, Dirt had pointed out on this billy goat we were stalking. Uh, Dirt had pointed out he was bedded on a knife ridge. So there's like kind of like the primary range, not even the range divide. There's like sort of the primary ridge line, and then there's like a, a very steep ni- uh, finger ridge that comes off it. And he's bedded there where he can look everything to the right, everything to the left, and then straight ahead is just sky but it doesn't matter because nothing come up that thing and uh he's bedded on a ridge that's no wider than him yeah he was like his body consumed the entire width of the ridge top was like laying on a knife yeah that was impressive yeah and if he rolled a foot you know the opposite way that he was looking he would have fell several feet I wouldn't be able to sleep up there. No. <laughs> no, you roll off. Those things like heights. Yeah. We slept on a goofy little ridge like that one time, sheep hunting, and my brother, Matt, said, if I'm not here in the morning, throw my boots off that ridge. Can I ask Kurt a question? Just to your point about you think you should get to a point where you're not learning. I mean, you've accumulated so much knowledge. There shouldn't be learning process and experience. Did you learn something new this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the communication portion, I, I thought about that 
where we were in the spot where you were set up and I was trying to, one of the things that we hadn't talked about is shot placement, especially to your point about hitting them in the shoulder. And when we were trying to kind of communicate back and forth that both of us were on the same page to try to hit in that shoulder. Afterwards, I thought I should have communicated more on the hair, the, you know, the, if you, yeah, if you just had done that, if you that. had done that, I'd be picking blood off from under my I fingernails. Know, so, right so, 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 really, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you woke up two in the morning. Yeah, when I woke up last night, I was like, I was up for a very long time, and I remember looking at my phone, and being like, "How is it only two, man? <laughs> I'm already like up, just up, obsessing, and it just turned into anger for Kurt." <laughs> you know, I won't the end, be answering my phone now. I see how this is going. Yeah, well, yeah, if it rings at two this morning, <laughs> yeah. In the end of Apocalypse Now, uh, Kurtz doesn't he talk about a vision of a snail inching along a razor's edge? Mm. Oh, fact check. That might have been Redux. It might have been the extended cut. No, he like talks about floating the Ohio River. This is when he's he's like out of his mind. When Willard and Kurtz finally meet. Yeah. yeah. Kurtz talks about floating down the Ohio River and because Willard, Captain Willard's from Ohio. Kurtz talks about that he floated the Ohio River with his father and he remembers all the smell of the gardenias. Talks about a snail on a razor blade. Talks about a concept hitting him like a diamond bullet. It's good shit, man. Anyways, that goat was laying out there like a snail on a razor blade. Yeah. Man. Uh, to back up, what, describe the area we went into, Kurt. Um, it's uh, it's in a very long drainage. I'm gonna say the entire drainage is probably close to 20 miles long. Uh, there's a road that runs up uh, somewhere in the 10, 12 mile range. So. There is a, a, a major portion of the upper end of that drainage that doesn't see a lot of foot traffic. Uh, there's a lot of cliff bands, uh, old growth timber, or I wouldn't say old growth, more like uh, dark timber patches that run down through. And then there was a burn that had rolled through a portion of it as well. So it's it's really good goat country. Um, a lot of escape cover. Um, and, and then because of the burn, there's a lot of feed because mm-hmm. a lot more of it's open right now than say it was 20 years ago. And it ties into the backside of a, of a lot of roadless area as well. So you see these goats being able to use multiple drainages and move between them where you have a fairly large circumference of area that doesn't see a lot of traffic, especially once there's snow on the ground. And um, most of it's in the, the nine to 10,000 foot range where the goats are living. And um, they're typically later in the year, like we're at right now, there isn't a lot of elk population or deer population, which also doesn't, you don't see a lot of hunters either, primarily because of that. And access becomes very difficult when the snow gets deep. So it's it's real ideal goat country. Um, 
but can get a little bit tricky late in the season. The lack of other game is really noteworthy, man. It is, it is. And I've been hunting that area for 25 years. And as we had spoken about before, I've seen a, a very noticeable difference in primarily elk populations. It used to be phenomenal elk hunting. And I think that there's lots of different discussions about why uh, some people would like to point the finger at wolves. There seemed to be a transition somewhere along that line. I can't for sure say that that's exactly what it is. But as we were driving into the area, I think something that was very telling was down in the valley floor in the farmland, there had to be 200 head of elk out there, in uh, out in farm ground that you would, 25 years ago, you would have never seen that. Mm-hmm. And so whether uh, migrations are changing or actual, the, the, what they're preferring for habitat, it's kind of anybody's guess. But back to your original point, it's it's really neat area in, in the fact that it doesn't draw a lot of people in after, say, September. And so it's it's a pretty cool experience being able to go on these types of hunts where you're not seeing other boot tracks, Um and you're just not seeing a lot of pressure. Yeah, it just takes 20-some years to... Yeah, 22 years. And then we saw a number of bighorns, and it was like, like one tag. How many tags are in that unit? Yeah, yeah, I think one tag in that unit. And that'll take a lifetime to draw. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, if you're lucky. Um, We went in there, and it's like... There's a thing that happens this time of year... I guess it could happen any time of year. Uh, to film hunts, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of logistics and crew, and people got to plan for it, right? And you need film permits, and when you get a film permit, you need to uh, like apply for certain dates, right? It's you wind up where you have you like settle on a date window, and there's a lot of uh that date establishes a lot of inertia, right? It's like like that's the date. You know, because so-and-so, we got, you know, camera guys booked and we got our permits for that date. And then as the date gets closer, then you kind of go like, oh, yeah, I forgot about the whole weather part of this. And as the trip's coming up, it just gets like, just the picture just gets bleaker and bleaker um, of early kind of, not I don't want to say freak, it's definitely not freak, but a, a significant early Snowstorms, a series of early snowstorms. Yeah, two winter storm warnings. Yeah, while we were out, like actual like weather we, service yeah. winter storm. Warnings. Yeah, like advisories for the area. Yeah, and to, like today we shouldn't be sitting here right now. We should be up there, but supposed to get fifteen inches of snow there today. And we already got like what a foot in town. In town yeah, overnight. Oh yeah, yeah no visibility. It would have been yeah, and then the the. And as this, as the as our goat hunts coming up, and I'm looking at the weather, there's sort of like comfort, and, and there's a comfort factor which I don't want to sit and act like isn't a thing. It's like, of course, it's a thing. You know, you can tough through it and have the right gear and, and make it, but it's still like an issue. Comfort's an issue. Um, not nearly as significant of an issue as difficulty in travel. So you're already in very precarious. Uh, just steep shit, right? You're in a lot of steep shit, and there's a lot of routes that you can't take. There's a lot of places you'd like to get to 
that you can't just go in the way that would, you don't just like go to it. It's a lot of like this and that and, you know, down when you should be going up and around when you should be going straight in order to arrive at these like points you want to get to because of cliff faces and, and other things. And you add snow on there and it just adds this like little, it's like a level of stress. And like even that level of stress is like a real thing. Um, you can tough through it and have the right gear, but it's like just a thing that's there. And it's it just changes the experience. But the primary thing is visibility. Um, when I talked about getting that, killing that nanny that I killed some years ago, uh, we went into an area and sat in the fog, just got to our hunt area, sat in the fog for three days, then all of a sudden, poof, it was gone, and we realized that rimming the canyon walls above us was mountain goats that had been <laughs> listening to our conversations. <laughs> I mean, this week, yesterday was the only day that we had visibility all day. It was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Every other day, it was a window of of clear. Yeah. Um, we, we went in and hiked in, and just right away, we went in during good visibility, and right away, just like seeing goats. And, and when you draw a goat tag... Uh, you're allowed to hunt a nanny or a billy. You're allowed to like a goat, right? A mountain goat. They would prefer strongly, I shouldn't say they, people that want there to be a lot of mountain goat hunting opportunities um, and state game agencies would generally really prefer that you shot a billy and they'll actually make like, like make instructional videos. I voiced, I didn't like come up with the material, but I voiced a video one time, like read the script for a Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance video about how to um, how to tell a nanny from a billy. They want you to kill the males. And I even read some statistic once that if goat hunters, if mountain goat hunters only killed males, only killed billies, I don't know. This is a statistic I heard. I don't know if it's how valid it is. If they only killed billies, there would be four times as many mountain goat tags. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that holds up. I read that somewhere. They don't want you shooting the females. Um, I voiced that video, which I'll point out, like I voiced it, but I'm not uh, good at it. I, I'm not like great at identifying. Um, I sit there a lot, scratching my head, looking at a lot of goats. Uh, for me, it's like when you see a kid, like a, a nanny with an offspring, I'm like, that's a female. <laughs> Other than that, I'm like, damn, I, my mind tries to turn everything into a billy. Well, I, I didn't realize, which I'm sad to say that, the nannies had significant horns. I don't, I don't know if many people know that. They got a they got a horn. I mean, they look. <laughs> it was tougher than I ever imagined to dis, distinguish. Other than there being, like you said, a group of them, then it'd be like, oh, those are nannies. Yeah. Kurt pointed this out, and it's actually I remember this from being in the past. Is like another time I drew a goat tag on the Kenai and didn't get a one because we pass up many opportunities of females. But I remember, like every female you look at, you're like trying your hardest to turn it into a male. But then you see a Billy and it's like, there's a Billy. Yeah. And I remember we had that same thing out of Kenai. Fence, you saw a Billy and we're like, oh, all the time we've been spending trying to like talk these nannies into being Billy's like, that's a son of a bitch and Billy, you know, and you just know it. And that was, that was true on this one. Yeah. Uh, but seeing all kinds of nannies, man. And then the second day of the hunt, we woke up and you couldn't see shit, anything. Till like what time of day? One, two? Yeah. Yeah, it was one o'clock for thing. And and then you're just seeing parts and pieces. 
What was funny, the funniest thing about that day that really stuck, sticks with me is that we went to a, gl- a little glass and lookout, and we just went there, and we couldn't see anything. We just went there anyways to sit and see if we could get some clear win- windows. And Kurt knew about another little looking spot he wanted to go check out that was a 20-minute walk, if, yeah, at most. Just like wrap along, wrap across the ridge top in an upward direction, and you get a look into this other bowl that actually drains down into a different drainage. And uh, at one point, we're like, oh, let's go check it out. Let's go verify that it's too foggy. So we verify, we walk up, be like, oh, wow, it's foggy over here, too. <laughs> Just like we expected. And walked back, and we get, and here's a set of tracks. Solo. A single set of mountain goat tracks that not only walked through our, where like literally walked through where we were sitting. We later learned walked between two of our tents, and actually followed our boot prints in our absence in the in the forty minutes that we were gone. Came through our tents, followed our boot tracks through our glass and spot, and then walked and wrapped around a hill. Yeah, well, literally like. If it was two inches to the right, it would have tripped on my my guides from my, on my tent. Walked like walked next to the tent within well within three feet of our fire ring. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, there, like I mean, there we, there must have been so much scent in that zone of us that it just was, and it just walked right through it. That's that's Murphy's Law. I know it's overdone, but that is Murphy's Law. I don't think that's Murphy's Law. That's Murphy's Law. What's your impression of Murphy's Law, Dirt? If if it could go wrong, well... But that's not wrong. You no, know, actually, I'm going to adjust that. <laughs> <laughs> if a goat, in my mind, Murphy's Law, if a goat were to walk through camp in a glassing knob, it would happen while we're looking. Oh, yeah, yeah. that is a Murphy's else. Law, dude. Yeah. It is a Murphy's Law. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It is Murphy's Law. It's a little... That was. Like it's never going to walk through when you're sitting there, just minding your. Well, own. no, because they. they I think that they like. I, I think the only thing they. Re, I, I think they care a lot about what they see. The smell isn't as. Big. I, don't, I, I think like their whole groove of how they stay alive, is based off. Um, I'll see the problem, and I'll go to a place where nothing's going to mess with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that that saddle, that pass that we were in, when I had the tag last year, the exact same thing happened. It was just over a longer course of time. I had left camp, went up where we went, but then I'd gone up over the peak, down the backside, and was probably gone for three hours, came back, and there were three sets of tracks that came right by my tent, right through that. So... It's a little goat magnet. It is. Man. It is. And that 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 bowl that we saw was coming right up through there as well. I think it's almost like a funnel. It's yeah, I think a little hot like a little hot tip is uh where a bunch of ridges and whatnot kind of like collide together in a low benchy saddle, shit's gonna come through. Yeah. It's just like a little funnel. Yeah, there was what, three or four three drainages that or you know, the yeah. backside. There was a lot coming to that po- that saddle. There was. Um, but they, yeah, we lost a half day there. Do you have something to add there, Chester? Yeah, that happened actually multiple times, not just that one time. Uh, as I was going to glass that night, there were more tracks in our tracks, going for the opposite direction, 
um, like four sets of tracks in our tracks going right up past our camp again, right in our tracks. So. Yeah. Um, how, have you been telling a lot of people that you got to play guitar with Luke Combs? Did you got to play Luke Combs' guitar and sing? Chester's nodding no. No, haven't, haven't told a lot of people. You haven't that. leveraged it socially? No. He's got a wife. Yeah, yeah he I, doesn't need to. Yeah, that's right, he doesn't need to. <laughs> yeah, I got a wife, and I like being a little incognito. Do you, um, real quick, how you, how you been enjoying your marriage? You been married how long now? I've been married since August 29th, and things are pretty good. Haven't got kicked to the couch yet or the doghouse, so feel like I'm doing pretty good. Did you guys know Chester got married in a homemade bolo tie made out of elk antler? No. I didn't know that, but I know. Did Chester make it? I didn't make it. Oh. Oh, you did? Well, you're an artist, Who though. made it? Uh, you're like such a little craftsman. Seems of, like a little bird, too. One of Danielle's friends <laughs> like a little bird. made him for us. Seth has one, too. Yeah. Oh. He was in my wedding. Yeah. When I saw a picture of Seth, he was basically, I saw a picture of Seth in oh, that wedding buddy. when he was basically at the point where like some uncle has his necktie tied around his head like yeah. a headband. Oh. <laughs> I barely even recognized there was, Seth. There was a lot of chest hair out of that photo. It was very photo. late in the night. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. He had yeah. like a cloud of smoke around him, like one eye open. <laughs> he probably, it looked, like he just, it looked like he just caught the garter belt. I think if, <laughs> if there had been a series of photos, like a burst of photos, it just would have been that picture and then another following frames of Seth just slowly <laughs> tipping down to the ground. If you'd have had a necktie, it would have been tied around your head. This is know. like dancing. Like Seth was like ready to dance on a table. Yeah. No, I had been dancing very hard. He was like, "Can they, I hope they play Moni Moni again." <laughs> I was ready to do anything at that point. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, if they could just play Celebrate <laughs> one more time." If they turn oh, on Mambo fun. number five, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. That's probably the most tuned up I've ever seen you, Seth. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm bummed I missed that. It was that. a good reason to party, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Chester getting married. Yeah. Seth was saying he wants to, um, Seth, I don't know if you caught that, but Seth was kind of wants to go to a bar with me. Oh, oh yeah, no, dude, yeah, all of us. Yeah, 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 all of us. One of my that. life goals is to go to a bar with Steve. But yeah. like, we do, could surround when, when you. When we go to a bar, does it? Do you do you mean that? Because you think that that would mean I'll be real drunk, or just that no, I would be? No, just I just like going to dive bars, and I think it'd be cool to just. But what would, what would you want bar? me to do there? Be be drunk and start a fight? No. Okay. Yeah, I would like that. I mean, we could <laughs> hit somebody with a stool. <laughs> we could if you want to, but uh, no, I just like Chet and I go to dive bars all the time, just have a beer. Just oh, I would love to just go. Chew the, I want to set a date to go. Just go after and, you get your goat. I'm gonna have a I thought we were all getting a shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Right we, down right down the street. You got it all picked out? Yeah. Just cross the railroad tracks. We'll be set. I can't Perfect wait. Perfect spot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that place. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, so anyways, we lost uh, I want to get back to this thing though. But no, I'll go. I'll, I'll go. I don't go to bars, but I'll go to a bar. We could buffer you too. We could but I don't want to get the C one niner, man. What's I'm that? gonna wear my mask with a straw. C one niner. Oh yeah, oh, COVID. Oh, bar. yeah, COVID. yeah. My brother man. thinks they ought to rebrand it to C one niner. He likes the sound of that better. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Sounds more aggressive. Um, we're I'm gonna get a mask and poke a hole in it and run a straw. That's um, drink my shots like that. That should be man- mandated. Yeah, I'll be like yeah. disease free drinking. How do you close the gap? You're gonna have to like 
You need like an O-ring. You have Chester Cockett. He's a he's a crafty guy. It is a bummer coming back into town after being in the mountains for a couple days. And you're like, like, oh shit! You do right. forget about COVID and like all the crazy stuff yeah. going on. You're just like, yeah, that's all still here. You know what's better than a straw is a big hood where you can do all your hand functions in a. <laughs> Thing. Like a bubble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's like a little pass-through port where they can hang glasses in. Yeah. What's those balls get, that get you shove people in and you push them down a hill? You know those? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great, Yeah, man. I want one of those. Remember when E.T., like when he got all sick? Yeah, they put him in a thing, right? Yeah, yeah it'd be like, get, go to the bar and that. I'll go down there and get <laughs> wasted. Oh, yeah. But I don't like having... Part of the reason I quit drinking a lot, like the part of the reason I quit getting drunk um, was because I didn't think it was fair to my kids who didn't ask to be born, yep. right? They didn't like request to be born. I didn't think it was fair to them to be hung over in the morning. Mm. Yeah. That's some, that's good that's parenting. Good. Yeah. Man. Good dad. You know what I mean? And I found myself being like irritated on days that I'd be hung, like on a Sunday or whatever, Saturday, whatever the hell, be hung over and sort of like irritated by their presence mm-hmm. when they were little because they were needy. We don't, you don't got to get drunk. And the minute I had that feeling and be like, dude, they didn't like ask to come live in the house. Yeah. It's like you had them and brought them here. Yeah. And now you're annoyed at them. I should have made some different decisions, man. <laughs> yeah. That's when I wanted to quit being drunk. No, that's, that's smart. Yeah. A lot of people don't do Just that. sick of being hung over, man. Yeah. But I had two little cocktails last night. Yeah. I had a coffee that. You had a little coffee thing? I had a coffee a little, liqueur. Yeah. And then I had a giant uh, rum coconut. Rum, Bacardi rum and coconut water. What do you call yeah. that? Because that was It's called good. a Jimmy Buffett. Oh, Jimmy. I was reading an article one time in a magazine. It was about like what celebrities like to drink. And I took note of that there was Jimmy Buffett was being featured. And he was saying how you can't get hung over. Coconut water. Yeah. Coconut water and rum. I've disproven that. (laughs) (laughs) I've disproven that, but it's a safe bet. Yeah. (laughs) Zero hangover this morning. Oh, yeah. OnX Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. This hunting season, they will have a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include... New aerial imagery options like Leaf Off. Recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back and imagery on demand. On top of that, OnX is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates OnX has for this hunting season. Try OnX Hunt free for seven days or go to onxmaps.com slash hunt and use code MEATEATER for 20% off your new OnX Hunt membership. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the app I use most. I love it. I cannot picture life without it. Use code MEATEATER for 20% off on your new OnX Hunt membership. Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. 
like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store. Or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. Missed a half day because the fog. Yep. Tons of nanny show. Could have... A lot of shot opportunities on nannies, stock opportunities, a lot of me thinking nannies were billies, a lot of me trying to talk them into being billies, just at least giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yep. But then what was it, the second or the third day that we ended, third day that we spotted the one billy that we believe that was one that we got on Yeah. three days later. So, and there were a couple of goats, obviously, that were in spots that were so far off the, uh, by themselves that you'd suspect that they were billies, but you just couldn't verify it. Mm-hmm. Weather rolled in on a couple that were up high. Do you think, uh, trusting that we can get it worked out and, and you're able to adjust your schedule and go back out again, um, I feel that we would... If we if we spend and we should spend a day or two on this, I feel like we would find that Billy again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I if, as long as he, I don't know stays, that I would make it, that my plan, but I wouldn't be surprised. And it would, you'd never really know. No, you'd never. But I wouldn't really be surprised know. that you'd be like, oh, he's like back in one of those zones that we know him to inhabit. Oh, that would not surprise me in the least. You know what you said when you spotted him. Huh. Well, yeah, I don't think you can say it here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Holy. No, you had just spotted a ram. And then you said bingo. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is totally family friendly. Yeah. That is family friendly. Yeah, you said bingo. <laughs> you, would, you would know if, if you shot that goat, probably, if it was the same one, because there might be a little tuft of hair missing. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little bald streak, like that bear in the great outdoors with the bald head. You know? <laughs> a bald butt, too. Right yeah, here. bald butt, yeah. Oh, my God, man. Um, there's six weeks. This is the, the, well, there'll be a part two to this. There's six weeks of season left. Um, I just really... Uh, am just so disappointed with myself 
I was really disappointed for you at the time. You offered. Uh, give me a hug. I would have too. I'd still do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I looked that down. I, yeah, I I think I think it's just a little bit of perspective because back to when we were talking about it earlier, when you put in for something like this for twenty two years, I think it's safe to say that you don't put in for it because you want a goat. Yes. It's you not like I'm doing this you, like to make an exchange. Yes. It you know? it is it is vastly about the the, the experience that you have, uh, the memories that you make, um, the things that you learn. And kind of at least for me, one of the things that I really enjoy about this style of hunting is that it's always pushing your envelope just a little bit. Um that you're you're staying out when it's colder. Um you're accessing country that maybe you don't feel 100% comfortable in. And every time you push that envelope, your envelope becomes larger and you become more experienced and you become more confident. And you don't, I don't necessarily get that with other styles of hunting that you do with the Alpine style. And so where your experience putting in for this for 22 years could have ended at five days, it's almost like a gift. You know, you get your tag again. You get to go again. You yeah. get to go have those experience because it's so much different than than any other style of hunting, at least that I do. Well, sheep hunting is very similar, but I I don't know. I I think that's why it's it's my favorite favorite time in the outdoors, and it's not always the most fun at the time. Yeah. It's often the most challenging. I had been in on a couple of one-day goat hunts, and it was a little bit of, like, my impression. My old girlfriend has the molester drew it once, and we got it in a day. <laughs> my brother drew it and got it in a day. Yeah. I feel like they can go either way. I've heard I've heard lots of stories, and, and the odds definitely go up if you go in on the earlier season. Mm-hmm. Everything becomes more complicated in the late season. You have to have a different kit of gear. The travel's different. Uh, obviously weather, locating them becomes, as we have seen, extremely tough. What makes you want to wait, just for people's awareness, what makes you want to wait is that they get that big, crazy hair. Yeah. Because no one in the world is going to get a mountain goat and not have it the rug tanned. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but that's generally like, it's like a muskox hide. You don't like throw it in a dumpster. No, hopefully not. No, it's like a thing of great beauty. It is. Yeah, it's amazing. And especially uh, this time of year, they get that thick wool because they end up with the the longer guard hairs, the hollow guard hairs, and then they they get that real fine wool uh, right next to skin. And, yeah, there's nothing like it. It's it's beautiful. Oh, Ridge, are you willing to talk about your uh, your, – Oh, yeah. Talk to lay out your little decision making process the other day. Well, uh, so yesterday we got into uh, going up to get that goat that we spotted, and we got into an avalanche shoot. And I don't really know what happened, but we got to a spot where we had kind of tucked around this like pretty mellow climb, right? Yeah. Like you could have gone up that in view of the goat, but that stretch was like wide open. It was almost like pasture, like very mellow. 
but it was in view of where the goat could have been. So to avoid going up that and getting spotted and blowing the goat out, we wrapped around the edge of that, which happened to be one side of a pretty steep avalanche chute. And below is just like a river of timber and then a little creek below that. And a river of down timber. River yeah, like down, a debris field from an avalanche. Yeah, like yeah. punji sticks of like giant. Lake breakers. Yeah. Um, and we like started going up that and then I think Kurt spotted the goat, right? We, you guys mm-hmm. were pretty far away from me and Garrett. And I think Garrett was in front of me. And then we had to down climb that. I don't know what that was, like 70 feet? Or is that too much? I don't know. Gauging no, I that? I think pretty accurate. Yeah. And that was, I don't know, what, what was the angle? It was steep. I remember looking yeah. at Garrett and being like, this looks damn near vertical, man. Yeah, you stick your arm out and you're touching the ground. I mean, if you stick your arm out horizontal. Yeah. yeah. And we had crampons at this point and ice axe. We weren't on ice. It was still like soft soil. So you had purchase. Snow. Snow, snow though. Wet snow. So it's slippery. And I don't know what happened. Like something just gripped me and I just got like way out of my comfort zone. And I've never had that happen on any meat eater shoot. I've been shooting the show for five years and I've never gotten like totally freaked and just not, I just felt like out of my ability to keep moving. And there's a thing like in climbing where you just like freeze and you can't, you just like don't know how to make your body move. And that happened to me like multiple times on that down climb. And it was just so weird. You're like a hummingbird's lips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a woodpecker. And uh, so we find, I get down and we get down to the this little spot where there's this frozen waterfall. And yeah, I was just like, I, I feel totally out of my ability to do this. And then you guys were all, you know, super, super nice and very supportive and, and we're like, if you, you know, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And I, I, I made the call to to leave, and it was a really hard decision. I felt very guilty. Really? Extremely. But then you shared with us that you'd had... But then, you'd, yeah. You'd had this feeling of that something bad was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't walk Which was away the worst, from that yeah. feeling I'm, great. I know, I, I, I know. I know. Dude, I was super confident us. up until the la- that point. I know. The well, last thing you left us with was, I have a feeling something bad's going to happen. Well, I look, I remember looking at you guys just be like, be really, really fucking safe. And that could have saved something us. Something just felt fucking weird about the whole thing, man. I mean, and we, I think it was totally in my head, but you know, like once you get in your own head about stuff, it's hard to get out of it. But like, yeah, I noticed, like, I I could see it was funny because just having been with you in a lot of yeah, well, I mean, just a lot of situations, including a bunch of situations of steep stuff, wet snow, yeah, and just skipping along, no problem, happy go lucky. Um, I it was like I watched you sort of have a um. Like I was like, you would you to, you're totally fine. Like I, I've just seen you do this so many times. Yeah, yeah. But you just had like a thing entered your head. Something happened. I, yeah, it was really weird. And like, not to not to say you shouldn't pay attention to that. No, no, I think no. You have to pay attention to it. But to your point, like the day, the last day that we had camped before we rolled out because that big storm was coming in, we had gotten up on that one glass and knob that was like, and we were out on the end of it, man. And if you had fallen off, you would have been toast and we were skipping around up there filming shit and like and I didn't you were think... like you were disappointed that oh we and in that, that time oh yeah. that yeah that in that area yeah 
we were like mindful of time, didn't want to go down in the dark. Yeah. Couldn't really see any reason to keep going. It was like very dicey to keep going for like no reason. It it wasn't like we were stalking something. It was just like trying to find the source of a set of mountain goat tracks. Yeah. And you were like wanting to keep going. And in my mind, that would have been like kind of like borderline stupid. Yeah. Because (laughs) we weren't like after something. Yeah, I know. It was just to the point where like I I would go. If there was a thing there. If there was like a shot opportunity. Like if we're like, okay, there's a Billy. Let's try to get a shot. Then I'm like, okay, let's just go. But I would never be like, just to get another 20 yards of visibility over the top of the ridge, it just wasn't worth it to me. Yeah. And yeah, you were and like, that, oh, didn't, cool. that didn't freak me out at all. Yeah, but then you entered a little mind space. There was just something about, I just kept looking down at that that avalanche chute and just like, I could just like see my body all crumpled up like that fucking goat you shot. My brain's fucking gone. I just have your lungs, so much, but your yeah. lungs but by your wristwatch. My lungs by my wristwatch. And I just like, yeah, man, I just got like so rattled. And yeah, I, I don't, we sat there for a long time and you got like, we got to go, like the goat's not going to wait around all day. It was a hard decision, man. It was a really, I came down bummed. I came down and talked to these guys. They saw me come down the trail, and they were all worried all day. Chester ran up and thought everybody had died. Now, so <laughs> oh, yeah. The I mean, the look, the look of on Chris's face, big, wide-open eyes, like, I mean, in some ways, it kind of has a, a symmetry to Steve's missed shot in that there's this sense of, of like, I let the the greater hole down. Oh, yeah, or definitely, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Chris, you were – obviously like very frazzled by not the decision but the fact that you made the the decision that makes sense yeah and it's not like i'm not afraid to like not like i'm not trying to be macho and be like oh i can just do it and whatever it was just like i don't care about that the thing i care i just don't want to not one do the thing that i'm here to do which is to film a show and also not have this experience that i love having with all you guys so like it was yeah it was just a it's weird man it's, I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time, much like your goat thing. Call me when you wake up two in the morning. Oh, I, yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll call let's, Kurt. Let's talk. Let me get Kurt on this. Yeah, let's let let, let me Kurt. patch Kurt in because I got to talk to him about that hair. Kurt, why didn't you tell me about <laughs> that? It's a hair thing. Uh, go ahead, Chester. Then we're going we're gonna to wait and then we're going we're gonna to wrap her up because then we're going to part two, man. Part two. The ret- I'm going to call that episode The Return. This episode will be The Miss. The reason why I think these guys all like passed away up there is because you didn't hear what I said. You were walking down the trail, Chris, towards me, and I said, "Is everything okay?" And you kind of had this—you shook your head, no, and you had your head down. <laughs> and at that moment, <laughs> they're all dead. Like, Don't even look for them. <laughs> well, I tried to give you guys a thumbs up because it entered my head that like, oh, they're probably thinking something bad happened. So I tried to be like, no, it's all They've good. They've gone to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> up, yeah, they're up. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird one. Long time left. Yeah. I just am so... You know when celebrities do a thing then they got to apologize on mm-hmm. Instagram? They make the apology <laughs> video. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot more listening than talking these days. <laughs> That's like one of the things. And you also have to um, be like, I'm very humbled. I'm humbled. Yeah. But I didn't do anything bad. No. I didn't do like a celebrity mistake. I'm just humbled. Humbling yeah. terrain. The, the whole deal is humbling. No, I'm humbled oh. about the mist, dude. I know, but oh. it's it's all part of it. The yeah, mist. I know. I, that, the that ties into, Yeah. I say if you're if you're not learning, you ain't earning. Oh, oh look yeah, at that. 
up, buddy. Some Put dirt, that on dirt, a t-shirt. That's what I'll call dirt the poetry. Yeah. Know. Yeah, How's that go again? If you're, if you're not learning, you ain't earning. That's what I'm going to call this episode. That's a good one. And then the next episode will be the second miss. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> or it'll be the fall. Of no, the Chris. goat. <laughs> <laughs> the lost the lost body. <laughs> be like an Everest an Everest character. All right, man. We'll be back with a dead goat. With noble Steve so struck with grief and saddled with self-loathing, we knew he'd have to try again, or else he'd risk imploding. So we mobilized the cavalry, the whole meat eater crew and sent Noble Steve back on the hunt. Here's the story of attempt number two. Okay, we're back for part two. The only difference now is that it'll, you'll, you'll notice a slight sound difference because we're not in our studio, and also you'll, uh, this is part two of the Mountain Goat deal. And uh, Chris Ridge Pounder Gill is not with us. Other than that, remind, refresh everyone's memory who's here. I'm feeling a lot better. You should be. I feel a <laughs> lot better. I think all of us do. Rick? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you feel better. Because feel when much. you feel better, that means we don't have to keep going out there. Because I know, yeah, people were worried. Uh, Chester's still here. Chester? Still here. Seth, uh, even though to you, the listener, this, this part one just rolled into part two, but what you don't realize is that uh, it's a long time later. Yeah. Summer, summer came back. Yeah. Summer came back. Winter just showed up. Seth's girlfriend shot a, a testicleless deer. Yep, real nice cactus buck. Fatty, right? Fatty. Dirt got Big a deer. Body. Yeah. Kurt hasn't got shit. Andrew got a deer no. too. <laughs> Nothing new there. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt has hunting. good prospects though. On a Kurt's on got a good nice prospects. Bowl. Yeah. Um. Uh, we'll get back to the mountain goat and, and conclude our saga, but but talk about the explain the cactus buck deal. I think people think this yeah, is interesting. So this is a crazy story. Um, my girlfriend Kelsey, she we, was last last week, no week and a half ago. We spent a week out in eastern Montana deer hunting, first week of the season, and um, the one night we I went out with Kelsey to try and find her a buck. And we were six miles from our camp. And we found this really cool cactus buck, still in velvet. Its right side was somewhat normal. Left side was just like a, just like six points sticking out of the base of its antler, where like an antler should be. Yeah, this is like a hormonal imbalance, right? Yeah. And, um, for whatever reason, we couldn't get on that bu- that buck that evening. We'd like crest a hill, and he'd be a thousand yards away, and then go over a hill. We'd get to that hill, and he'd be a thousand yards away. Well, just, he's out trying to find his testicles. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. He's not going to find them. Oh, I, you know you know what I stopped the other day to take my LJs off. What you know how I took the other day? I got hot and stopped and took my long johns off. Yeah, left those sons of bitches laying there. No. Oh really? Yeah. Who walks away from their long johns? <laughs> 
I, mean, I guess he's walking away from a trekking ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to get really? stand up and walk away from your long johns. Oh, yeah, had more priorities. So on your someone's mind. gonna be like, "Oh, it's weird for your long johns." <laughs> Maybe if That's I find long johns, I start looking for the corpse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would be an odd sign of hypothermia. Just. <laughs> anyway, um, so we didn't get on that buck that evening. The next morning, we decided to go on a, a quick bird hunt in the morning rather than deer hunt because there was birds everywhere. And we were back at our camp, and we left camp and walked over this one ridge, and I glassed up on the hill, and sure enough, there's that same buck, six air miles from where we had seen him the night before. And who, Why is he on- who knows how how far, like, with, you know, he could have walked 12 miles that night. Hard to say. And it was so, dis- it's distinct. And it's... Without a doubt. Yeah, because it's such just, a weird... Like, how many, like, bucks in velvet with a weird growth? Yeah. Which, the weird thing was, that area, we had seen seven different bucks in velvet. That is odd. There's a thing on... Co- there's a, I don't know if you heard of it. In, on Kodiak, there's, like, an area that's famous for these these hormonally imbalanced cactus bucks that, like, have weird formation and the velvet dries on the rack. Yep. When you say cactus buck, I mean I got the like what they, they they get these thorny looking antlers. Oh, okay. These like clubby, goofy. It's nothing like, to do I, with the whole time I've been alive, I didn't start hearing about it's like I never heard about this. Now yeah. every other day I hear about it from somebody. And just just by thumbing through Instagram, I've seen several deer that have been taken this year that are still in velvet. Different states too. Montana, hmm. Utah. Deer are getting less manly. Yeah. Well, well, crisis of masculinity in the deer population. And uh-huh. and this it deer, yep. this Someone deer should was, write a book about it. Oh man, some academic papers could All the bucks that we had seen that week were hanging out with other bucks. Up until this point, that was the only buck that we had seen that was hanging out with those. Well, the funny- I think he just thought he was just one of the, one of the yeah. ladies, you know. And then his berries were I was saying that he had lost them, but they were dwarfed, they looked normal. There, he had an intact sack. Okay. And when I felt that, it just felt like there was nothing there. There was nothing in there. Not descended or something. Like it did. It just, he had the it sack, didn't even but feel no like. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's what happened. It didn't man. even feel like there were any little raisins in there. You know, no. he like he had the coin purse, but there was no change. It didn't drop. <laughs> <laughs> you could just go on and on with these metaphors. <laughs> it's endlessly amusing. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. Um, Anybody, if you want to read up on this, just go type in like cactus buck. And there's all, there's way better explanations than we're providing. But it has to do with like it not having its, uh, the proper Change. dose of its masculine hormones. Huh. Yeah. And for somehow it like leads to weird antler growth and then the velvet tends to dry. Yep. On them. You could see a, the funny thing is it's six miles that it traveled. You could see like a, a really ruddy buck, you know, cruising yeah. that distance yeah, maybe. Why? But why, why a, you know, hermaphrodite deer or whatever you want to call it traveling, that doesn't make any sense at all. I don't all. know why I picked up and moved that far that night. Huh. He was looking it for was you. It was poor, poor choice on his part. Cause it, it, and we getting pushed around by some other there. more manly bucks. Yeah, maybe he gets his ass kicked all the time. Maybe. He just doesn't have the same amount of... One of the biggest body deer, though, I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's the odd thing, too. Just huge. Did you guys taste it yet? Um, I don't know. 
we 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 didn't do a good job of keeping track of. Oh, once you got home, everything got all mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went back like ended the mountain goat hunt in, in despair. I had a midlife crisis, <laughs> and it was winter. It was cold. The cold. Yeah. I went through a midlife crisis. It's over now. I didn't buy a car or anything, but I had a midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, it kept you awake at night. <laughs> kept me awake at night. Not only that, my wife noticed a difference in me. She knew that it, that it missing hurt me hard. I heard she was making fun of you for it. Made fun of me. <laughs> I felt embarrassed whenever I was around Kurt. Well, <laughs> when Jimmy, a real ego blow. When Jim, I you, bet Kurt. If I only could know. Uh, my wife is friendly with Kurt's wife, so I'll eventually find out what, what all Kurt said about how me. he truly felt. <laughs> <laughs> what about your your boy? That comment. Oh, Jimmy was not. Yeah, my little. So are you disappointed my, in your dad? <laughs> my boy was not happy. Was just very like what, Mister Pierce? What? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't understand how it could happen. Turned into summer again. Turned back in the winter. Yeah, and. Um, we went back into the same vicinity and it was just like it felt to me like I mean there was always it felt to me like a lot of mountain goats had moved into that valley for whatever reason yeah or I don't know didn't it oh yeah they were just everywhere they were everywhere yeah how many did we count that first day in the zone that we were in yeah and like we were only in one couple dozen once I mean it wasn't a small draw but it was just a fraction of that yeah. area. What, 25? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we went back, had a great, beautiful weather window, got after one Billy that laid up in a, in a spot that made it very difficult to shoot at him. Almost like he tensed it. Almost like it was his notion. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like he meant it. Um, didn't work out. The next day went out, and we realized something was happening that I didn't really even, going into this, didn't wasn't aware of, is that, you enter into the, you start getting close to the mountain goat rut. Yep. So the, we found two bands, like two groups of nannies, what, like six to a dozen? I don't know. Yep. And each of them had a billy mixed in. Yeah. And they were close to one another. They were only five, 600 yards apart. Yeah. Like groups. definitely like, like, the groups would definitely like be aware of each other and, and, you know, like interacting in some way or another. Yeah. And it made it, uh, after a lot of frustration and looking at billies that were hard to get to, or wondering how you're going to get to them and wondering where you're going to shoot from. If you do get to them, it was like, uh, it was as though one laid it out on a blueprint. You're talking, our, Saturday. What, the, the, I'm sorry if I'm not being clear. Yeah. The one we got yep. was so perfectly positioned to where if you imagine like a little crease in a mountain, it's like on one side of the crease and the opposing ridge, you could just sneak up, walk up, pop over, shoot across. Everything perfect. Yeah, when there's six of us versus just two people that you know are it's like a whole different footprint for for travel so having that goat in a good position otherwise it's just like six people are gonna so you know even if you sneak around pretty good 
something's gonna. Did you guys end up seeing another Billy when you popped up? No, did not. Kurt looked for it too. Yeah. Huh. Wonder so where the, he went. I find that there's some poetic, ju- uh, poetic justice. Maybe that's not the word. Um, that the shot difference. It was the exact same shot. And uh, I didn't have my struggles this time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, didn't miss. Well, it was a little. It was three hundred five, right? Three hundred six. But I found out in the days after whiffing my shot and contemplating it, I found out a number of things. A bunch of little perfect, like a bunch of small things that added up. I went and I had a rifle that I had set at a two hundred yard zero without actually making an actual 200-yard zero. Like, I arrived at it through math, what my 200-yard zero is. And in that process, screwed up so that my 200-yard zero was already high anyway. Then I had, like, a a dope chart, you know, like a drop chart. And I think that that when I pulled that chart up, I was being lazy, and maybe even, um, I don't know if it auto-filled at sea level or whatever, I don't know. But I was already high, my little dope chart was off to make it more high. And then I was trying to shoot the mountain goat in the high shoulder, not accounting for the massive amount of nothingness beneath the hair. So that I was probably already kind of aiming at, not aiming at the mountain goat anyways. And yeah, just shot over his back. And this time I went back to normal aiming. Got him. Yeah, that was good. That was a good group. Um, yeah, uh, I, for, I forgot what you said when we walked up to that goat. But when we skinned him, you said like, "That's that looks like a pretty tight group right there, or something." <laughs> <like that. laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple shots, few shots there that that all seemed to be like terminal. But yeah. he didn't show like uh, Kurt confirmed the first hit was a hit, but he sure didn't show. The signs of that. Yeah, he soaked up some rounds. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. Tough. Tough animal. Um, four and a half years old. And the bile, I, I went, I just this morning took it to get it checked. You have to, with a mountain goat, you have to take it in to get it examined and they pull a tooth. And by looking at the, the tooth eruption, well, looking at the annuli, so you can count growth rings on them. And Kurt, you had it pegged at four and a half years. Like you can see the lamb tip or whatever, the kid tip, I guess, like his first year of growth, and you see the annuli rings. Kurt pegged it at four and a half. Um, the biologist also felt four and a half based on the annuli. And then the tooth eruption, the, the dental pattern also backed up four and a half. But then they'll send it off for like a cementum analysis. And an old goat is like 10 years old, right? Well, Kurt shot one that was... Eight. Yeah, I shot one that was eight, and uh, yeah, I've I've heard of multiple goats being in that ten, and I, I think from what I've seen, uh, very similar to what you'll see with sheep, where they can get twelve, thirteen. Wow! But I know it gets it gets really tough to count those rings when you have a goat that old because they all stack up right there at the bottom. And yeah, it's uh, not like a sheet where it's no. spread out over 36 to you know 40 inches or whatever. Nope, yeah. nope. So this thing's horn, its long horn was nine inches, and its shorter horn was, I think, eight and five, eight and six eighths or something like that, eight and five eighths. I can't remember. 
very very sharp horns on it very long like long winter coat but not old like not a giant tasty no. very tasty and when i was down today getting my thing checked a guy uh, i don't know if i told you guys this the guy was in there with two bighorn deadheads huh. very old looked the same vintage looked like the same wear on them one of them had a little bit of sheath on it still and he was getting them checked and and uh so he could keep them for himself Oh, he just found him. That's cool. Found him. That brought him in really to get cool. him. Brought him in to get him certified. Like you used to not be able to have it at all, right? No. Yeah. And yeah. now, if you find one, you can get it checked. Didn't that change this year? Uh, or last year? It, it was either last year or the year before. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just just it's a very, recent. Very recent. I think this is the second hunting season. Gotcha. Where if you found something, you could take it in everywhere. Because I, I was I was telling you guys, we found that one on uh, Grand Canyon. And you couldn't keep it no, state, so, state, state, state by state. Yeah, yeah, and and I believe it's 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 obviously different between types of land, national forest or oh, public yeah. ground opposed to. Well, I wouldn't even say public ground, but I like parks and that. That's that's outside of that realm. So you'd and have to check that. I one time did a thing at the uh, New Mexico fishing game has this fundraiser where they sell, they auction. It's like for the it's like for a group that's sort of support, I can't remember how it works. New Mexico Fishing Game Department, like some affiliate organization or them, they have an annual auction where they um, they auction off like tags and stuff, governor's tags. One, I think they do it at this, but they also auction off all the shit that gets hit by cars, all the poach stuff, all the stuff huh. that people find, and they had all kinds of bighorn heads down there. That was. For whatever you found yeah. it laying, um, confiscated stuff. Uh, I heard about a guy one time that had killed a bear in self defense and had to turn in the hide and skull. And then later went down to the auction just as an anonymous person and bought his bear back. <laughs> <laughs> tenacity and he had skinned it in some weird way so he he had like made the cuts in some unorthodox fashion (laughs) so that he knew for sure it was the one because they then got it tanned and he went down and bought it at auction and knew it was his because he'd skinned it in some unorthodox way yeah to to leave his mark on it so now he's got his own totally legal but got his own thing back what are you with your goal are you gonna how are you gonna have that finished out a rug with the head in okay I had a I had a tar a Himalayan tar like that that I gave to a buddy. Imagine like a classic bear rug with two yep. horns sticking out the top. Nice. Now, on the floor is it going to be draped on the wall? The horns are too sharp. Yeah, danger. Oh. I got a mountain lion I did like that. That's on the wall. Um, I got a, like I said I gave that tar away and then yeah I'm gonna hang it on the wall because the horns are yeah you, your kids can't be running around in that no no <laughs> tripping trip on that thing <laughs> game over dude it's sharp man sharp. Yeah, like, I was surprised by that. Yeah. You could tack it to the ceiling, maybe. So now, um, no, I'm going to put it on the wall. Yeah. You don't got much wall space. I got a little spot for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> real quick, you know that giant buck Doug Dern shot all those years ago? Oh, yeah. The buck they call the standard. <laughs> the standard, yeah. yeah. And Doug took it down. Uh, Doug took it down to the taxidermist. He always, this is a good story. He takes his buck down to the taxidermist and uh, 
people are out dropping all their stuff off, but like the tax service is like, get all these cars out of the <laughs> yeah, way, you know, right. let this guy pull in and priority. <laughs> and uh, a guy asked Doug, um, what he's going to do with it. And Doug's like, he'd never taken anything to a tax service before, you know, he's, I don't know, I guess it's just like the get the head mounted. And he said, this guy goes, that was my deer. I'd stuffed the whole damn thing. <laughs> And I got a place where I could put it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we had agreed that um, wasn't it? We're supposed to have a shot. That's Chester. Chester's rule. This is like a like a like a Wisconsin celebration. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we, yeah. If we were in Wisconsin and you shot a buck, we'd have some kind of drinking celebration, <laughs> we, I'm sure. <laughs> That's good. I'm all for it. That, uh, <laughs> that conversation. Remember, we were talking how we would like to go to a bar with Steve. Yep. Oh, yeah. But I don't go to bars. But you don't go to bars? So this I is, will. And then it, this, it, it turned into Chet saying, if you get one, we need to have a shot. Yeah. yeah. When I get C19er, <laughs> it's not going to be because I got it at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, want it to, I don't want it to be that it was like, oh, yeah, he got C19er at a bar. It just yeah. you know. what are you, what, what's the cheers? If Yanni was here, he'd probably have a Latvian one. To a successful one. Do you got a good Scani cheer? Um, To the good ships, the bad ships, and ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are friendships, and may they always be. (laughs) Oh, Oh, big box. Big Big box. Big box, big goats. Mm. (sighs) Pretty sure that's that's an Irish thing, (laughs) not Wisconsin. (laughs) My problem is I was going to slurp mine just to make a loud noise so people could, <laughs> people could have the experience with me, but holy shit. <laughs> That's smooth right there. It is. He's was, already looking at the bottle. That's Boone, <laughs> much, yeah, where, what was that? That's Boone and Crockett whiskey, oh, yeah. ladies oh, and gentlemen. Yeah. Boone and Crockett Club whiskey since 1887. Seth gave me a bottle of that for my birthday. Steve was over there that day, and I think we finished the whole bottle off that night. <laughs> Okay, here's uh, yep. we were saying earlier. I first applied for a mountain goat tag in this state, uh, 1998, and finally drew. Kurt, you I don't know what you you probably applied since you were a little kid. Is this your first mountain goat tag last year, or had you drawn before in Montana? Yeah, it was the first one. And you had you been at it for forever? I hadn't because the whole time I lived in Alaska, it oh, was a regulation. Right, so we you just hunted goats up yep, there. Yeah, just yeah. So it wasn't until I moved back. Gotcha. I started putting in, getting points. But um, you're prohibited after you draw. You're prohibited from even applying for seven years. Correct. Yeah. So you're six. You got six years to go. I'm entering my seven year hiatus. Hiatus from even applying. It took me 22 years to draw last time. I'm 46. Uh, so oh, that puts me to, I can't do that kind of, that level of arithmetic. No. 68. If I wait the seven oh, yep. and then go 22, who's good at math? 75. 22. 29. 75 years old. 46 plus 29. You better start looking into, <laughs> start looking into an easier unit. <laughs> I know, but let's say even if, even if you only go 10 or 15, you're still you're still in your sixth decade. Yeah, I don't know how many more years I got, uh, how many more years of this I got left that, in me. That's a that's a tough oh, one got, for the... Well, I like it that Kurt's older than me because he's fine. Oh, yeah. yeah he's better than I am. <laughs> he's he's pretty, more spry. 
You guys are both real spry. I, I was real happy to hear that you were feeling bad because well, that, that dirt, helps the dirt camera di- guys. Dirt diagnosed me not having enough oregano extract. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I got some in the rig. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Steve was complaining about jello legs as we're you know going up 3,000 vertical feet. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you got to take your time no matter what, but that helps me out towing along a camera. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big hike Friday. That was, the biggest, was. That was the biggest hike of the trip, I think. Yeah. No, big yeah. and slow. As yeah. far as gain, I think oh, so. Oh, Friday. No. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friday. no, I'll buy that. I'll Not buy Saturday, that. yeah. Okay, I'm going to have the rest of my shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody out there uh, listening, uh, rest easy. My midlife crisis is over. <laughs> I got my mountain goat. Seven years, I'm going to be back into the game. Or like Sid, get the, get the kids. Take the oh, kids out. Listen, man. I'm gonna yeah, how many mine. how many points do they have? My five year old has two points. <laughs> <laughs> how many points does Jimmy have? Two. Oh, he does. Yeah, I have four. It's gonna be a while yet. Yeah, my kid will turn twelve when he's first able to apply for a limited permit. He'll be coming into the draw. I can't do that level of math. I don't know. He'll have nine points. I Is, did do it. Yeah. Is there an average on how long it takes? Is twenty two years common? What, what this state does is they square your points. So let's say you accumulate a point. Yep. One times one is one. Oh, interesting. So you're in the draw once. But let's say you're a feller like me who's accumulated every bonus point you could get, and I don't know when they put the system into effect, but it was a long time ago, in the teens. So you have like 15 times 15 points. Dang. Sure odds are way better. Exponential. Yeah. So, but then everybody's like that. So everybody's in there. Everyone's name is in the hat like some odd hundred times. Yeah, you had 225 yeah. name tags in there. So I have 16 points now. 225 is a ways away. <laughs> 15 times 15. What do you have, Chad? You probably have more than everyone sitting here. I don't know. Oh, right. so yeah, I, you, I, got 200, you got 256 bonus points. My kid's got two. No, he's got two times two. Four. Cuatro. Yeah. So you still got slightly better draw odds than, than he does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but still, it's going to be a while. All right, everybody. Rest easy. On my behalf. Oh, plus the Mountain Goat tasted real good, man. Oh, yes. Very good. Hot tip. If you want to have uh, you being uh, people out there, if you want to have something good to eat, Danielle Pruitt. What's it called? Whiskey. Like Whiskey Danielle butter. Pruitt. Go type into the uh, your phone, not you. But I mean, not you, Chester. But I just mean people. He had it up on his phone. Type into your phone, Danielle Pruitt. You can just do this. Pruitt, P R E W E T T. Whiskey butter heart recipe. Make that. Make that shit. But also put it on like backstrap tenderloin, whatever. Seared venison you can put it on heart. Anything. Here you can it is. Out. Here it is, ladies. Seared venison heart. Whiskey butter recipe oh, on yeah. the meat eater site. Yep. So meateater.com, Danielle Pruitt. She's kind of my, like, kind of becoming, it's a little bit like, uh, I hate, I'd never say this in front of Jesse Griffiths, but she's kind of becoming like my favorite wild game cook. <laughs> Don't tell Jesse I said that. I just ate at his restaurant the other night, so I'd feel pretty bad if word got out. He's been replaced. He's been replaced. <laughs> my Danielle, I like Danielle better. Than Jeff. It's not like anybody listens to this podcast. <laughs> no. 
when I was searching up that thing, you know what I found that was surprising is there's like a thing that happens where if you like autofill, if you write in Danielle Pruitt, guess what the number one autofill is? Danielle Pruitt, husband. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's very understandable. Very understandable. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk of experiencing an electrical blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. These things are sweet because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.